All right, we are live with episode 27 of It's Server Time. We're going to be talking all Katowice. We're going to be talking all Poland. We are here with the usual suspects. We've got Mix, Josh Mix Mix. We've got Note, Note, Note. And we've got Pro, Nogo, Pro Nogo. Um, that's, that's how these things work. It's all over the place. Uh, first, because we have Prof in the chat. I don't usually acknowledge chat this, obviously. But we're going to tell a little Prof story. We're going to tell a little prof story because Katowice had such a such an ensemble cast that it'd be kind of fun to do this, to talk about prof and his inter first interaction with Carmack um, and how prof just, you know, he doesn't give a F. He doesn't give an F. And it's cool to be around people that don't give an F in this space uh, because, <laughs> because, because we'll just we'll just we'll, I'll just get into it. All right. So basically, we're at the hotel bar after work one day and Carmack, Carmack approaches us and he asks Prof, can I have your, your turtleneck? And this kind of is like a weird power move, you know? Like, he's just testing what he can get away with, Carmack. If, if Prof is just going to bow down to him and probably give it, he doesn't. Of course, he, Prof's kind of like, no. And then Carmack says, I'll give you anything I want. And so Prof says, <laughs> no more round robins at, in ESL events. That's, that's it. That's it. That's why Prof's a badass, because he's willing to say... Yeah, he's willing to say what we're all thinking. <laughs> he's the homie speaking truth to power out here. <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly. Okay. Um. Yeah, but we're back with uh with Mix Node and Prodogo. Like I said, uh, yeah, have yeah. you guys been enjoying what Katowice has brought so far? I would say so. Some some faces you don't normally see on the broadcast, obviously. Um, and also just the fact that they, they this is one of the few times where it's like obviously it's following the whole. Uh, the other acronym for ESL now is uh, being popularized. It's following that news. But at least they actually did shell out the money that they got because they've got this giant list of talent. You've seen the the Frag movie that just came out earlier. It's not really a Frag movie, but it's like a trailer for the events playoffs and stuff. There, you know, there's budget being put into this stuff now. And it's like, oh, OK, well, you know, I guess there's some upsides in this strange totalitarian regime. So cool. Cool. Okay, good okay, stuff. Okay. So I like that part. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've enjoyed the matches I've caught. The obviously I tend not to catch the the first match of the day at the very least because they're all at three thirty a.m. But uh, I think out of out of the tos, I would say Blast tends to have like the best scheduling for me, and then ESL right after. But in in general, like the matches I've seen were pretty solid. It's nice to see some of these rosters play. Obviously, Phase sort of unfortunate scenario at first, but otherwise, pretty good. Sweet, sweet. Uh, I've been enjoying all the matches so far. It's probably the event I've enjoyed the most in a while. Maybe just because like all the new teams and the fact that it's actually gonna like feed into into an arena is always nice. So, but yeah, overall, aside from North America being completely irrelevant, it's been a pretty enjoyable event. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into NA being completely irrelevant uh, first off here. So we got Liquid. They uh, pretty much just bombed out of this. They didn't do very well at all does feel like this lineup is still taking some time to gel. Any any thoughts on their their performance in this event? Or basically anything you saw at Blast as well? I don't know. To me, when I watch them, it still just feels very like lacking in firepower most of the time. Mm -hmm. it's, it's weird to say when you have a team with like Oliege, Naf, OC, Nitro, Shocks, right? It's like when I kind of look at each of them individually, there should be like a pretty good amount of 
there's like a lot of name power i'd say probably more than firepower at the moment so, you know oc obviously still isn't like in like start form or anything he's still taking time to get accustomed to everything um i feel like naf has probably been like the most consistent one on liquid for me i feel like naf just always just plays and kills people and always is just a really solid player alicia's been a lot more up and down like he had a terrible series against g2 he was like completely irrelevant and so if Alish isn't like playing well then i was gonna see like at the very least, Liquid needs Elysian Naf, Naf playing at a high level. And if like either one of those two isn't, then the team is just like not very good at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like uh, Liquid just have some growing pains they have to get through. Unless anybody has, has anything else to say, I might just talk about Mao's. Um, I think that's about yeah, it, really. I'll just butt in like, here right. and say that you guys yeah. on this podcast are ruining NACS. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> didn't somebody say? Yeah, yeah somebody yeah. said that about us. I think right because <laughs> yeah. we're just we're just too high on NACS. I, I feel like we're not high on this Liquid roster at all right now. Like there's they a specifically said that Mix and I are killing NACS. Oh, killing okay. NACS. Uh, yeah. Okay. I feel like I feel like anyone that watches can tell that like ninety percent of the time when I talk about NA, there's like. There's no logic going through my mind. It's just pure. No, it's absolute bias. like huffed hopium. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I straight thirty I'm, minutes before I'm we go live. Copium, like live on the stream, ninety percent of the time when I talk about NA, and then every now and then I have to, I have to like reel it back in and like actually talk about them, and it makes me sad. So, can I press you a little bit, Mix? Then on on the OC point, because you mentioned that it feels you feel like he's not being able to gel in just yet. He's taking his time to sort of adapt. You know, assuming you had enough time to catch enough of the games to form an opinion, what do you think that could be done differently, either by Liquid around him or him specifically in this roster that would help him activate more consistently? Because the few times that he looks good, he looks good. But what we need to see out of him is the same consistency he had on Exercel, right? Yeah, I mean, just knowing like a lot about OC's personality, to me, it's not even like so much like in-game stuff as it is like I have a question of like how comfortable OC is going to get like overall with like this team you know he was with jt you know tion or jttc you know that like group that core for the longest time that's where he like all his development came so if now he has to like go into like a completely different environment it's not just different in terms of like the players that he's playing with but the the environment change especially from an org like extra salt to an org like liquid is like another big shift um he's not really playing with anyone that he's known in the past so with OC, it's just, I feel like A, he's, the main two things aren't necessarily like him getting comfortable with his teammates in-game. It's for me, it's him getting comfortable with his teammates out of game because he needs his personality to be comfortable to be like, to be comfortable like taking over games and taking over like how he wants to play and things like that. And also him gaining more confidence and getting more used to playing against like all these like really fucking good teams. Okay, wait, wait, I want to... I want to just straight up drop this question. Actually, this reminded me of something I was I was thinking about earlier. Is that right now? What like what team would be the like? Okay, make the make the best NA super team right now. I, I feel like I, I feel like this is a more much more open ended question than I was willing to, thinking of getting into. But now it does draw me to this. Do we think OC would have to be on it right because he's the best North American opera? Uh, yeah, and then. When we go to we when we go to IGL, do you guys want Nitro or Stewie in current formal? I feel like that's Man. so hard to actually call. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's actually it's harder very, to call. Than early, I think. Yeah, it's very early days for this. 
It depends on what you want. Do you want the the sort of like leader of man in Nitro and take the cut in the hit in in fragging that you're expecting from him or and like just hope that he turns that part of it around without sacrificing the leader of man part? Or do you take the the sort of flawed but powerful at times Stewie role? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah, yeah. It feels like you're you're more your ups and downs are greater with Stewie. Mm. But Nitro right now is is kind he's kind of lacking a lot as an individual. Yeah, do you uh, think say. that the so the sort of secret to picking the IGL is actually figuring out who you would rather have for the rest of the roster? Because I feel like some personalities Stewie will just not get along with. Like if you pick a liege for this roster, which it feels like you probably do, you probably can't then also have Stewie just based on the You're you're like foreshadowing what I was gonna do for my <laughs> Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, cause cause right now because right now I'll just say mine and you guys could jump in and or or combat this. I would just get the EG core of of Stewie, Automatic, and Rush, and just put Floppy and OC on it. I think yeah. that might just be the, a stronger roster than trying to clash the personalities again yeah. of uh, of Elige uh, with Stu- with Stewie. I, I I okay. Actually, I could put Naf. I could put Naf for like Rush. Okay, maybe maybe put Naf for Rush. That that yeah, might be. I think, a little I think, I think you get away. I yeah. can get away with Naf with Rush. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that's, that's probably that's probably fair, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's so, dude. You're almost like asking because to me, it's like, it's like OC floppy because I want floppy to play like all like the shit roles and like do all that stuff that he's just good at. I think floppy should so, be on the best North American team right now. Like no, no joke about it. And then so it's almost like, I don't know. Do you want the core of like automatic and Stewie, or do you mm-hmm. want the core of Nitro and Elise? Like which one? Yeah. Which one are you more willing to like take a risk on at the moment? So it's like I don't know. Overall, I I trust like Nitro's IGLing to eventually like reach a point that like is like very consistent for a top team, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like he's kind of done that before. But also, I don't know. Like it's hard to say where Nitro's actually going to get back to in terms of fragging, in terms of calling. Like I just have no real idea. And with Stu, I feel like I'm at least getting like like the floor with Stu. I still think is like pretty good. At least you know the floor that I know and like how he, how good his team will be. I think he's a bit limited in terms of how he interacts with people and how he calls sometimes, but you know, maybe with the right coach, he can continue to overcome that. He can continue just like continue to get better like that. But yeah, I don't know. Almost at the moment, I really am tempted, like you said, to lean more towards like Stu and Automatic than I am with with Nitro and Elise, just based on like what I've seen the past couple months or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think slotting in floppy enough is also just a generally good idea. Like those two players have pretty well proven themselves to be able to consistently perform no matter like what they're surrounded by and would, yeah yeah keep going. To, to your last point alex uh i will say floppy is on the best north american team right now complexity the team of like Stu, audi rush naf floppy and oc i think would theoretically would could work pretty well personality wise in terms of like how I think like Stu would like be comfortable with it. He would have like his secondary man and automatic behind him. And then he would have his opera right next to him that I'm pretty sure he would rather like, you know, have a voice and be loud and kind of direct things that he wants to do. And then with Nath and Floppy, you just have two people that are just kind of, you know, just chilling, doing their own thing. You know, they don't really have like a lot of their own ideas to just kind of like going with the rest of the team. So I feel like that dynamic, just like thinking about that, that five would, would actually work pretty well. It's probably like the best NA team I can think of at the moment. The only other question is if the inclusion of twists, who's off in phase and I was an EU convert and all that, but like, would he be able to slot in here and make a meaningful difference is the question. 
I actually straight up did not consider him Pernogo. That's a not that's not a bad idea to bring him up into this. Uh, but I mm, like he is he's probably one of the best North American players right now for sure. Mm. Are Canadians really Americans? <laughs> North American expected American <laughs> education. What can I say? A Marky has to be just for representation beyond this roster. There you go. Yeah. Let's see with let's see with twists. I think you could get away. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know like how good his relationship is with Stewie and how comfortable he is on like a team that's being called by him. So I mean, maybe you could theoretically replace like automatic with Twist, just because that's more of like Twist is more of like you know a contender now. You know, mm. automatic. He's still getting back from Val. He's looked good, but we still have to kind of see like how how he gets back into everything. So he's not as proven in the last couple of years. But well, with Twist, for me, if like he is comfortable playing, if he was comfortable playing with Stewie again, like he would feel comfortable playing in like Stewie's system and around him. Then I definitely think that could be another option, like Twist, Naf, Floppy, Stewie, and uh, and OC. But I don't know. I kind of you could maybe replace Naf with Twist as well on some of these lineups. But yeah, um, like, I almost tricky. think it's that. I think that that's kind of a a way to go about this because also he's a little bit. I mean, he's kind of showed a little bit more versatility lately. Twist for me, my money. Uh, yeah. Like he can be almost more aggressive with like he has been with Faze. He can he can pick up the secondary op. Like it, it's actually I almost feel like it unlocks more potential for the team now. Yeah, it would need to be a situation where you're actually giving him some like some room to work. And I think if you had twists instead of automatic, I do think in that situation he is like like Naf and Floppy for the most part are gonna move over to twists. Like, you know, they can mm-hmm. they can move around like They'll they'll play like whatever, so Twist and Stewie can like have their spots. So for me, like the key would be like, are Twist and Stewie like still on good terms? Do, can they still play with each other? Like, do they would they feel comfortable with that? And if like and if they were, then I might even go with like saying yeah, like Twist Twist instead of automatic would be pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Let's move on to the next one. That's enough NA talk for a, for a team that didn't even do anything <laughs> at this event at all. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the that's the pot, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about let's talk about a little bit mouse sports run. I think this is kind of like to me. I'd say I'd say they probably were the biggest surprise in terms of how deep it was. Um, making it through the play in, actually doing a little bit of damage here and there. Um, yeah. I mean, did you guys did you guys catch much of of mouse sports or like or did this? I guess this results surprise you for for what this roster is. I caught a couple of their games. Um, I would say the results surprised me initially for sure. I didn't think that they would do that well with uh, without having BMS there. But honestly, they Torzi was hard carrying some of these matches. It was actually kind of absurd mm-hmm. watching him like just hit the ground running straight up like obviously if any of us if you've seen the academy games you knew that Torzi was going to be good but the fact that he just straight up hit the server and had no problem really consistently performing against some of these teams was a little bit of a surprise i would say um jdc had a couple of like he had he was pretty up and down here which kind of sucked because i know that he held himself to higher standards and he can definitely play better um, he even said after I think the first game or two that he played that he, uh, even though the team won, he was saying that he wasn't uh, happy with his performances. And then he got better in I think two matches, and then one of them was ended up being sort of really lackluster on Nuke. I think yes. Um, but yeah, I think between the fact that they had a last minute stand in 
and they had Torzi coming in playing his first like premier event. It they honestly definitely exceeded my expectations in terms of the competition they were playing against. Um and Torzi in particular like really made a name for himself, which I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, the match in question you're referencing about JDC on Nuke was against Vitality, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the match that mm-hmm. most surprised me because I wasn't expecting Vitality to be taken that close with a roster like this. Um, I just look at Mao's like, you know, I think we talked about this um, maybe in the episode with Richard Lewis, where I was mentioning that like Mao Sports going away from the Kerrigan led roster felt like it. They were never going to be able to achieve much. And especially when Rops left for phase, it's like, well, now you just write them off almost uh, and you expect them to almost act as like a feeder team or something. But in this particular case, uh, you know, they certainly surprised me for the uh, in a positive sense. The only question is how easy will this kind of be able to build upon because of the stand in factor. Right. So that's the only question I have going forward is like, well, how many more players from the academy are you going to be swapping back and forth, you know? Okay. Okay. I, I realized I realized I wasn't even using my my good microphone for this. I'm not gonna lie. That just happened. Okay. This is a different Maui happened. snake you're hearing now, guys. He's changed. Yeah, th- He's gone through the nifty twit longer and found his chakras or whatever the fuck. So. I I just just turned on my paradigms and told him what the hell is up. Uh, yeah. I I think that. Uh, one, I got to bring up this stat that might sober up a couple people that maybe are hopeful for the the future of of Mao's is that uh, okay I don't know if I, I checked this mid event and it was pretty deep into I don't even know if Mao's played any more games after this but essentially Torzi was the second least flash opper at the event and this is something I keep bringing up for new oppers. Every time a new opera joins a team or like a team kind of shifts its structure around and basically basically it's a new opera, the op like like Glaive at the fall finals, the amount of time that they're blinded per round is very low because teams aren't going to know how to anti-strat them right away. Uh, they, they basically are just going in dry and just kind of have to throw the standard flashes in order to try to catch them. And so that's why Glaive did incredibly well at the fall finals because he was barely blinded and Torzi was barely blinded at this event. But this is what I was talking about with kind of Torzi probably will, in my eyes, would fall off in a couple months. It, and But he was going to hit the ground running with this lineup is that he's very skilled. He's pretty aggressive. Uh, but teams just don't know how he plays yet. And I think that once people do figure out his tendencies a little bit more... I personally haven't seen him had to reinvent himself from season one or two uh, of or like other stuff that him on Mao's NXT has played. So I, I'm kind of worried about if he can do that. But I actually I actually think that with with Cyclone there, I think Cyclone is actually probably another key factor as to why this lineup did gel together so quickly. Yes, because he was a real he seemed like a really good coach for Mao's NXT. I mean, it's so hard you get to weigh kind of the intangibles of coaching, but it seemed like they always they always found ways to stay on top, which is pretty hard when you're a team that might feel sort of comfortable like Mao's NXT at the We Play Academy League. Like they kept beating everybody and it wasn't really like teams were getting better around them and yet they were getting better to stay ahead of them. Yeah, I was going to say like Kind of like on your, kind of like, kind of like on your topic of like talking about offers, just to explain. Like, I I honestly feel like offing is like probably consistently like the hardest role to find like consistent impact, find consistent impact on on like on a top level. Because like you said, especially with good teams, like the easiest thing to like anti strat and like look at 
is like what is what does an opera like to do like you know what mm-hmm. what angers do they feel comfortable holding like what routes are they taking every time and like more than anyone else like what an opera is doing and the plays that like you have to watch for the angles like is like the most consistent thing on a team so like as an opera being able to understand like you know when you hold like this angle like what that's opening up for you like in later rounds like how you can keep changing yourself up to keep a team that even as like had just prepared for you like on their toes is like a really fucking difficult thing to do so once teams like get a grip on like how you're playing with this team the angles that you're holding you you'll you'll 100 start to notice teams just like trying to ice you out like trying to ice out certain angles like it's it becomes like a lot harder to find opportunities so it's definitely like one of the toughest tests i think for an opera once you actually get to that level is like once teams have a ton of demos on you once you're like watching a ton of shit on you how do you understand like how to adapt your game and how to adapt the things that you already do in a way that like is still going to work in the future because if you're just doing things the exact same way if you don't change up timings if you don't change up like even like small little angles you know it just becomes so easy to like ice out an opera and and at that point a t-side just becomes like super easy because you just you just know what to expect everywhere um and yeah, so that'll be that's like the biggest tough for a guy like Torzi as he comes up to this level and like he's played like this event. So see how he does like the next event once teams are kind of really looking at like what he's doing. Yeah, not okay. to beat the point to death, but I did want to also underscore the part point about the op is that it's obviously the most expensive gun in the game that's a- actively used. So if you're going to throw away that many resources, especially on a CT side with economy and in this economy, in this state, like that's a situation where you're really in a rough in for a rough ride if you just get you know, owned instantly and your teammate's not able to salvage it, even if your teammate is able to salvage it, if they're not proficient on the op, like they're not going to do any better than you necessarily. And then, you know, we've seen the saving frequency. You're just going to, you know, it's you start atrophying and, and it just gets really, really bad. You start hemorrhaging rounds pretty easily. So that's another contributing factor to how you might actually see that as a blueprint for how mouse sports end up, uh, or mouse end up losing more matches in the future, just like they lost all respect when I they changed their name. I'm going to keep calling them mouse sports as long as they have the at. They have the at mouse sports. And I think I did that on Twitter and and I think they replied to it and they were like, see Yanko or like Yanko, another one that says mouse sports. And I was like, I just used your at. So I don't know what you're what you're talking about. Here. I could have but added okay. the wrong account, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Twitter uh, is real okay. life Maui, so I guess it makes sense. They're mouse sports now. Confirmed. The conversations on there are as as useful as as the conversations in real life. Yes, yeah, they, you get as much out of them. Uh, okay, I wanna talk Vitality. This is a team that I thought would do a lot better. I, I, I guess, well, I'll, I'll kind of cope with this. I think they had a really tough run in terms of the teams that they lost to, losing to Heroic and and Gambit in seeing the form that those two teams are in right now. Like this is, pro- they were in the tougher of two brackets. like. No questions, no questions asked. This was this was the harder bracket. I almost think we can we maybe can get on this a little bit later about who would have made it if the brackets were a little bit more even. But I, I kind of think that Vitality in the position in the bracket that FaZe were in, for example, would have done as well as FaZe would have. You, all you had to do was beat Liquid and Fnatic and you would have qualified for the the playoffs. I think it's a little bit unlucky that Vitality had to play against Heroic, and then when they move to the lower bracket, they play against Gambit. That's that's tough. But, uh, okay, yeah. They, I mean, the thing is, they still lost. They still lost, so there, there's a lot that is left to be desired here. Um, what did you guys catch of Vitality? Like, does, like, Zywoo's bad performance here, does this, does this seem like it's going to keep happening to you guys? I mean, no, but it's also sort of par for the course with 
him and Katowice, like he Vitality and Zoo in general just haven't historically played well at this event at all. Um, yeah. Actually, if anything, they're very consistent in the fact that they've been eliminated in ninth to twelfth every single year. Has it been four um, years straight or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think four. Yeah, four years straight where they've been eliminated in ninth. Zoo hates Poland. It's the only explanation. Clearly, actually, here's a here's a here's a stupid but real reason. Cadavis's air quality is very bad. It's actually like consistently when you look day by day, it's in the red zone. Uh, so if you go if you're going outside like Vitality R, I see them take their walks. Like you might you might come back after that and be winded. So that's uh that's maybe something that Vitality have to take into account next time they they come to Katowice because there's just there's just factories like every like in a lot of places there. <laughs> Bring so you're your just show up with what, like oxygen tanks at yeah. the next kind of they, they should be at an oxygen bar. Actually, they should they should get <laughs> sponsored by an oxygen bar and actually just bring bring over like a scuba tank, uh, an air tank, and just. Well, imagine the content, guys. Imagine the content where you (laughs) set dressing Zaiwu up in a (laughs) scuba suit to get him to walk to the supermarket. I don't know. You could do stuff. Walk in with some of those uh, cans of air from Spaceballs. Um, Air cans. Yeah. Um, They started doing windows. Yeah, I think think that in general, they looked a little bit more lost at times than I expected. Like, I don't know... I feel like it's something that should definitely improve given the fact that they have Zonic who only came in for the final match of the, the event anyways, so they didn't really have him to help alleviate some of the potential issues on the server. Like there were times where where Apex definitely looked like rather tilted. Mm-hmm. And that's always gonna happen. Um I'm just wondering like how that played out with the way Dupree and Magis uh are because obviously Magus was also known as like a little bit of a tilter in the past. I don't know uh, that at least didn't seem to be the case more recently. But um, I'm just wondering how much of an effect that had on the entire team environment without Zonic there to sort of alleviate some of that, uh, some of the emotional side of the game at least. So did he for show me, for some uh, of it? Like was it just the, just there? the last match? Uh, yeah. just the last match. Okay, just the last match. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, he was still flying in or something towards the end. Yeah. He he actually had um no, it's a personal issue. I won't actually bring it up. Never mind. That's that's something and, I'm not sure about. And with vitality, like um, so with vitality, the big thing I don't want to like keep this excuse for them for like forever or anything, right? But they are like a legit team. That's like the, everyone is like having their first real like international experience in a team. You know, it's literally like all five players are going into like an english-speaking team for like the first time in their career so this is a team where it's like legit that like barrier and that like that language barrier that like culture barrier i think has more of an effect on them than it does for like you know g2 who is only you're an international team but you know they're, they've just made like changes you know they're kind of used to this by now and alexi like, b for, was just on an english-speaking roster yeah also yeah yeah and so like for all these teams like literally none of them have been on an international team so like it's it's a new experience for all five of the players for the coach you know, they, I think, especially in this situation like this, it takes a bit of time getting to, to get used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in previous events as well, like the Blast Online event, for example, people were remarking that Astralis look really lost in some of these mid-round situations or what, during the timeouts. It doesn't seem like they instantly error correct as well as they used to. And everybody was saying, look, that's going to be a strength of vitality because they've got Zonic. Well, if you don't actually got Zonic for most of your matches that you played in the tournament, I can see why maybe there's an asterisk next to it. I don't know that it explains the... Zaiwu three and sixteen or whatever it was, but that's also yeah. just maybe a freak, you know, alignment of the stars to conspire against the uh 
HLTV number two official player of last year. So, yeah, that was a very poor performance. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, I was, I think I was working when this game happened, but I went back and saw the Mirage and the yeah. ways that basically, I basically Zywu got caught off a lot of the time. Kind of felt like, not like, not necessarily. Like he was just like, oh, someone didn't tell him something. It was kind of some of it was early round stuff on on Mirage. Like like he got killed from kind of valley or like underpass when he was on catwalk. And it, it was almost just that he he didn't really expect uh he didn't expect them to go as quickly as they did in some of the rounds that that, that Gambit did. I, I really think that Gambit prepared very well for that series. Um and I saw even less. I saw less of the heroic one. But it, even even what I what I did catch on Inferno too, because I because I did see some of that one live was like they were just catching like Gambit really did their homework on this one in my eyes. Like they the the timings that they used to catch Zaiwu and middle were much faster than I would say Gambit normally do. So I think Zaiwu was caught off guard a little bit. And even even the best players in the world can get caught off guard if they just straight up don't expect the team to do any like anything remotely close to what they do in a match and on like if you watch banana side on inferno versus apex and masuda they get caught okay so like i actually talked to apex uh, a good amount um at this event and one of the things he talked about to me was that he really likes that he fights corner at car uh, as opposed to a lot of teams who either want to do their full banana control or they kind of play passive in the bomb site, but he likes to do this kind of middle ground where he's like fighting right there at the edge, like flash for me so that I can car peek or something. And it was obvious, it was obvious that that Axile kind of knew this. And so Axile was running through smokes. He was like getting pop flash through smokes. He was just swinging on the corner. And sometimes a- Apex was basically getting ready to swing, but then before he even knew it, Axile was swinging on him. So it really felt like. Gambit just anti-strated them, or or basic. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Gambit anti-strated them too. Yeah, that's like that's like one of my most distinct memories about Axel is just how fucking annoying he is um, <laughs> on Inferno B site. Like, just like fucking takes random fights, just swings. Like he'll just, you know, you'll be chilling on site, and Axel's literally just fucking like wide swinging you from banana, and he's just fighting you, and you just don't have any, you just don't have any other option than like take the fight because you're just out in the open or you're just stuck like at at coffins or something, and he's just winning every fight because he's just so good at those. And like as a team playing a ct side when against a team that has someone like that that you can't really predict especially these like dry fights it just makes it just makes it impossible like it's just it's so frustrating so difficult because there's no real solution i mean just in general they had like gambit had vitality's number throughout that series like even afni was something like 11 and 4 or 13 and 4 in in duels with ziwu so like (laughs) (laughs) that's the if that's where your stats at then you're kind of fucked right right yeah, it does make me think that this might be a bit more of a one-off, which, you know, is also in keeping with Zyro. Like, he doesn't have these stinkers. You you almost want to say he doesn't even have these once a year. This just happens to be he ro- walked up to Katowice and he's out. So, but yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That's uh, I, I'll leave it off of this, actually. Vitality, do they, like, how 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 well do they bounce back from this? How well, how well do you think they're going to perform moving forward? Do you think like, even though this performance, they finished ninth to 12th, I already put it out there that I think if they had a different bracket, they'd be in the top six. Do you guys still see them as a top six, top five team or higher, lower? What? Yeah, I do. I think like what you said around like that top five, top six range, I feel like is 
where they're going to hover around. Uh, I don't really expect them to have any performances that are like really bad. I'd probably could still be expecting them to make playoffs and have like a pretty good run, especially as they'll have like a lot more time and actually have some experience at that point playing together. So for me, I this doesn't really change that much about how I feel about Vitality. I'm still pretty confident in in them as a team. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Keep in mind though, in Pro League, they have a pretty rough group actually. Like they have oh, probably yeah. the worst group out of the whole pool. Oof. Um, they have Virtus Pro, Phase, Furia, and Sprout in their group, and then you have like Group C, which has Gambit C is, and Liquid. That's is about it. dumb, e- dude. I mean, Group C and is big. is is so wide open for that. I we'll talk about Pro League another time, but yeah. I, I saw Group C. That is a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> That's actually with how Liquid just performed. Like this is such a joke. Like group honestly it doesn't make any sense how it was split up like that but um okay let's let's move into uh everybody's favorite topic shitting on astralis uh that just seems to be ever everybody has loved to do this it's just so like i think everybody just loves how far they've fallen like i I, it's not i guess it's partially that it's partially stuff with the org um being kind of kind of fucky in the last like like 12 months public like people have figured that out uh like this is i've noticed i noticed that because i watched back my last dec- decimate of this and i and i did and people like really think i hate astralis like i i kind of like probably hate astralis less than i think most people do actually i think yeah i, 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 I don't yeah, I don't really think that. I don't really dislike them that much, honestly. I just, I just, com- I just usually comment on gameplay stuff more than than out external stuff like that. But um, I'm a Glaive it, fanboy. I am, dude. I think so. I'm a Glaive. Through. I think Glaive's sick, man. I think he's one of the most winningest players and knows how to win no matter what the circumstance. Dude, what he did at the Fall Finals, I'm just. It's almost like unforgettable that he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna op. Fuck you, Lucky. You're not gonna be on this team anyway. <laughs> It's I just like, like, like I sent I sent a tweet that was like that was just showing a picture of Glaive on like the last round of a game, like fifteen fourteen or something, just holding W through monster with a P ninety on the last round. That's like these are the reasons that I love Glaive, because it wasn't until the first time that like I played Astralis and prepared for them that yeah. I realized that like Glaive is a literal fucking madman like the entire <laughs> time. Like this guy holds W more than anyone I've ever seen. Except for art, of course. So I am I am always cheering for for the success of Glaive and Astralis. I really I really am. Okay, okay. Let's talk let's talk about their run a little bit. So they had they had kind of I'd say a surprising run. Like yes. it was it was actually kind of pleasing to see the ways that they beat teams. I think the the statement victory in for what I saw was was when they beat Fnatic, which kind of felt like a team that was supposed to be to me, better. Like I thought, Fnatic was just a better roster. Like had been together longer, or maybe not been together longer. But it's actually, I don't, I don't know. What the it's probably around the same time. But like, yeah, I would agree. Like, Fnatic, same, yeah, Fnatic's roster just made like a lot more sense to me. Just yes, like a lot more yeah. well put together. Right. Uh. So so basically, they they were one map away from from making it. But the thing is that the maps that they lost to G two just weren't were not even close. Like I was sixteen covering. five yeah, and sixteen just, one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugly, really ugly, really ugly. I think it was uh, SEO who had the stats saying that this is the most, like, they, uh, most of Astralis's 16 ones have been within the last, like, I don't know, four months or something. Maybe it was more time than that. Just, but it's like, it's like just, more yeah. recently, you know what I mean? Like, they're really on a downward trend in terms of being competitive in some of these series. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep in mind, they also almost didn't make the main event. Um, yeah. Because they only just barely beat Big uh, in the play-in. Rough 
rough for just, Big. I didn't, didn't so want to talk about them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all know what you think <laughs> about Big Maui. <laughs> Let it fade away. Let it fade away. When it comes I, up, when it bubbles up, then 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 I'll start reclaiming that statement. There we go. Yeah, we're just just waiting. Died in the wool. Yes. Um, I wanted to say about Astralis that it feels to me like one of the biggest issues with this team is when they start making a deep run and they ups, they upset Fnatic, by the way. Like, the fact that that's even an upset is kind of crazy to think about it that way. But you're right, Maui. I did also think that Fnatic was the better team here. And so when they when they beat teams like that, when even when they beat teams like Big to get it into the event, like, to me, it just feels like I can't count on this team actually making a deep finish. So why are they wasting my time beating teams that are better than them. That's the, it sounds illogical to say out loud, but that's the gut reaction I have as an analyst looking at this, like, you know, Fnatic defeat G2 in that crazy upset. Like, that's an exciting match. I want to see how Fnatic can do in the playoffs. Oh, they didn't make it because Astralis beat them so that they could then get owned on, you know, 16-1 to G2. Like, come on, man. Like, you you just know that their run is not going to be as deep as maybe some of the other exciting ones are. And obviously in this case, I think G2 probably beat Fnatic as well if, if, you know, Astralis don't defeat them, but it's still, it's just like, I'm waiting for them to turn back into the pumpkin and they always do without fail. I think that's probably the biggest <laughs> problem with this team. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I just don't know what the win conditions are for Astralis half the time now, because you obviously have Glaive who can call, but that also has looked a little bit less impactful. I don't know whether that's because of his own calls or because of the pieces that he has now, but just in general, it's, I don't know what, you can possibly look at because obviously you have blame F who put up, puts up like solid stats, but I don't know how much that impacts like their overall wins because he puts up good numbers, even in their one-sided losses. So it's just to me without config popping off, they don't win. And if that's your sole win condition, then what are you actually supposed to like? That's not a consistent sort of thing to look at, at least in the old Astralis, you had uh, device consistent, the original Astralis, you had device consistent. Even if device isn't able to like put up really solid performances, you have Dupree and Magisk who can always put up really solid form. You had Glaive come alive randomly, and then you had Zipnix as like the Bail generally out. always consistent yeah. player. Uh, yeah. Now you don't have Zipnix being consistent. He's not playing very well. You had Lucky who wasn't, who obviously like isn't cutting it. You have Glaive who isn't putting up the same impact as he used to, and then you have Config who's sort of shaky sometimes, a god other times. And then you have Blame Mouse sort of like getting some kills, and that's well, their impact to really be it. determined. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I, I do so, want to say, like, this has become like such a strong narrative of Blame Mouse now that I almost feel he's like underrated at this point. It's I think like, he might be <laughs> underrated too now. <laughs> actually, like, guys, like, guys, like guys, I understand that. I understand the meme, like where it comes from, but like. He's still like playing really fucking good. Like that, yeah. that still has value at the end of the day. Like, I, I think his CT kills are valid. I think yes. his CT kills are very valid. His T side kills are up for debate sometimes. Yeah, ex I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's almost yeah. like in order for his role to find success in a way that actually adds impact, the rest of his team has to not die before he die he plays or whatever. You know what I mean? Like at least get the bomb down and get it into a one v two or something for him. At least give the man a chance. But no, so I think it's mostly down to his positioning. But you're all, you guys are right that you know T side maybe be a question mark there. Actually, actually, someone did write this in the chat, and I, I have noticed this about Blame F that he does he does entry banana like he's the space taker at banana that's one of his few roles where it's actually the the impact or the success of the team is predicated off of him succeeding but uh we saw how he just did not 
<laughs> he did not match up to Nico at all when they played G2. Like it just got just got cleaned up. So um yeah, I kind of I have to agree with a lot of that. The the main part about basically con it, it's like like kind of the way I see Blame F now is kind of how I saw Mouse Mao's last year, last season, whatever, when Rops was on the roster putting up massive numbers. But like, if I knew Frozen puts up a 1.2, I almost can just say they're going to win the map. Like, it, that's kind of what Config does for them. And I will say, like, if, if anybody is like actually trying to put a team together or study demos or something like that, just watch Astralis' Ancient in this tournament was flawless. They won every single time yeah. they played Ancient. Uh, their T side, they had the best T sides of any team, pretty much I've seen actually like almost period other than teams that are just flat out always good like like gambit you can always just count on gambit heroic and navi to be just good because they just have good players but in terms of actually like doing more like being greater than the sum of their the parts that's that's what astralis did for me on ancient this time around so check those back out because config was kind of a beast on lurk timings because Config, it's almost like they put an entry fragger as a guy that's supposed to be a lurker. And so he's just going to go faster and take a few more risks than other people in his position would. Whereas, like, if Blame F were the... So basically, Config was, like, the mid lurker for them. And he would go into Red Room. He'd go into Cave, like, top mid Red Room. And, and he would just do it a little bit quicker than I see a lot of, like, Blame F type players do it. And that just changes the whole dynamic of the map because he's just... He's just pressuring people, forcing rotation, sometimes just getting the kill outright. And then Glaive can just make the easiest mid round of his life, you know? So it's, uh, it's, yeah. To your, to your point, it reminded me of like how they innovated T side nuke a lot. Like it's, it's sort of the similar impact that they're having in defining sort of how teams will play that going forward and, and changing up the way people are actually able to, because obviously it's a CT balance map. Ancient is just like yeah. nuke was, and it seems like Astralis are doing very similar, um, things in terms of being able to sort of create a style that people will start following over time as well. I, I almost feel like the the game plan for every team now should be on Ancient. Just whoever the config type player is of the team, hey, take a fight by 50 seconds left in the round. I don't care if it's good, just do it. Just try it, because if you go too slowly, it closes up the map for us. But if you do it, we can work with that info, or if you get the kill, then we can just work with the kill. But um, let's talk about the move, the roster move, the roster move. That's that's what's really important to hear about about mm -hmm. Astralis. They got Farleg finally. There's, people have been calling this for quite some time now, and I, I'm gonna. I mean, like, I want to. I want to open this up to you guys. Like, this is an improvement, but like, is it enough? I mean, I don't know if it's a if it's enough because I don't. I haven't really seen far league and like i haven't really watched far league in like fucking forever because i didn't really watch yeah. him on fbx but he was very promising before that as well uh going into astralis playing with glaive is always like pretty good for an opera i'd say and i don't know like for me this move is just important because i saw someone say that like they felt that like astralis should focus on like fixing their roles and stuff before like changing out another player and i'm like to me this is like fixing their roles like lucky literally like had no impact on the op like it just it just felt like he 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 had the op and then he was just there like on the map and you just couldn't really rely on him to do anything. And so, then he was dead. <laughs> and, and so getting far like it's like it's like okay we actually have like a pretty good opper now. He's pretty aggressive generally uh, from what I remember about him. I don't think he's just like sitting back all the time doing nothing. So just having an opper that you can trust to op and like you know even just put up like a 1.10 rating or something overall or you know even like a little bit worse like just someone you can like feasibly rely on just so that like okay this is our opera he's our fucking opera 
that's that's like we're good like we don't need to like focus on that now and then you can focus on everything around that finally which is where the role should still make sense with having glaive and having glaive and config like in your pack taking map control together with farlick having zipnix and blame f i still think those two could can work together and have like a really solid like lurking and anchoring uh type duo so I still think I think this move is really important for Astralis, even if like Farleg maybe isn't going to be a superstar, and I think it'll benefit them a lot. I mean, honestly, this move took me by surprise because Casper Fit said three months ago that they weren't going to make any <laughs> roster moves, okay. and uh, okay, it's just it's just really unbelievable that uh, they would suddenly remove Lockie because he said no op changes were coming. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, the most trustworthy uh, source in, in Counter-Strike esports, yeah. Casper. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Uh, but to your question, I think I think the, the way you phrased it is actually kind of important because you asked uh, if it'll make them better and if it'll be enough. And I think, yes, it'll make them better, but I don't know if it'll be enough. Mm-hmm. And by enough, I'm I'm sort of drawing that you, you would mean like to be able to win tournaments or consistently. like Consistently? How about top top five? Like make playoffs at least or well top fours how about top like yeah playoffs play deep i i wouldn't say it would put them in top four contention just with the current pool of teams that are there yeah like there's no way that this puts them above navi vp gambit like heroic all the teams that made playoffs yeah exactly like there's i just don't see that being enough of a change to be able to put them over top of those teams um that being said, obviously it'll give them a, a marketed improvement over Lucky, and also to to mix point help alleviate some of those rural overlaps they had. Um, I think it's been mentioned a couple of times on the show even that Zipmix and Lucky had certain rural overlaps that just yes. wasn't working. So I but, think yeah. in general it'll it'll help sort of move that into a better place. Um, it's to me it's just not enough to get Astralis back to what the sort of level they are. Uh, they're ex- they were expected of, of at least. Um, I'm not sure if any of you guys saw, but the performance coach for Astralis or the the performance uh, specialist basically went with Zonic to Vitality. Um, oh yes, yes, yeah. And yeah. he said in an interview that he did with uh, Jackson that Astralis have shifted their uh, focus from performance to like. Um, I don't remember what the exact term he used was, but basically like shifting their their focus away from performance or something, um, uh, rather than like actually getting the the what sort would it of go level. To? Like PR? I don't know. It's just <laughs> a very good question. I mean, brainwashing that's Danish very fans. possible. Like, what what is this? What where are the resources going? Uh, yeah, I'll. S- I wanted to say like I still think overall Stralis' ceiling is probably still pretty low compared to a team like G two, uh, yes. Vitality, these teams. But, you know, there's always, like, the small chance that, like, Farlick is, like, just about to hit a fucking next-level step in his career, like, joining, like, an actual consistently functioning team with someone like Glaive. Because that FPX team was, like, a complete fucking mess near, like, the the end of that stint. So, who knows what he'll be able to do back in time, back in a Danish lineup, back in, like, a lineup that's actually solid and, like, together, like, he has, like, a clear way forward. Who knows what to really expect out of Farlick? Hmm. I just want to say that I'm glad that we're out of the Make-A-Wish era of Astralis, where for some reason, like, Lucky's like, what What if I could be the Clutch Minister and Zipix doesn't go in last? 
Like, why the fuck was that happening, man? Like, I honestly, yeah, man, like, I hated that. I, this is the thing about Fireleg is, yeah, he'll probably, almost certainly he'll be better on the op than, than Lucky. But he'll also probably be more aggro and more active as a rifler when they don't have the op out, especially on T's side. Like, I expect Zipex to be able to play more to his strengths or what were his strengths when he was in better form, which is going to help at least upright a little bit the fact that he's obviously been in career lows recently. And I think that will naturally help. So there's going to be a bit of a cascading effect here where Farley comes in, he ops better than Lucky. He'll probably rifle more aggressively, regardless of whether the stats end up being better. He's probably going to be a better tool for them when they're using him for whatever they're using him for. And that also means that Zipix and there's not going to be that overlap that Note mentioned where you know Zipix is kind of crowded out of his his lurk role or his uh his more like last in role or whatever so you know i think that's like a uh almost a foregone conclusion that that will be a benefit the question is will it be discovered the way that we're suspecting torzi over at Mao's is going to be discovered will it be something that can be anti-strated after the first outing i'm not sure i mean the only strategy i can d- reverse engineer from looking at astralis recently is they want to swap in one player every so often so that they can have a honeymoon period where they look good at their first tournament but don't ever win anything that seems to be the only thing that's happening with this team so i hope they can get back into some career form where they don't turn back into the pumpkin like i was mentioning earlier that's that's my hope i can't say that it's a you know a dead shot for sure probably not still mm. i still can't believe that like i saw like there was like, there was, like a good amount of people like a decent like a sizable amount of people that seem to genuinely think that like they should remove zipniks before lucky and then just let lucky yeah. take all of zipniks's roles and stay and i was like i don't, I don't know what games we're watching but zipniks has been bad but <laughs> lucky lucky doesn't exactly inspire me yeah yeah i i mean i i was i was on the train that Astral should just make two moves, uh, mm-hmm. but I wasn't on the. I mean, Lucky was like he became like the way I I kind of put it was that he became the singular scapegoat for Astralis's mm-hmm. failures. But it's it, it does seem like it to me is beyond that. Like yeah. I don't I do think that this Farlig move is good. Um, one stat I just found is that I mean he was playing under Godsent before FPX before FPX acquired that roster. Twelve events straight. Every every single event he played under the Godsend banner, he went positive. Just saying, like that's just gonna do a lot for this team if they can have somebody that. And some of those teams, some of those events were like kind of smaller online things, but that's still pretty impressive. Like Lucky, I don't even think Lucky was doing that kind of stuff on Tricked, yeah. you know. Lucky, so. Lucky, definitely like bad timing. I yeah. I don't think I don't think he was like he was a problem, but he there definitely is like a lot more wrong Quistralis and like solely like well we picked up Lucky and that made us shit and that's all. So, yeah. His career prospects say, are probably over, by the way. Like, I don't think anybody's <laughs> go- gonna knock down the doors looking it, for him. You're probably he not doing a top seventy team. <laughs> he would need like he, he would need definitely have like some like kind of like career resurgence where he fits back in with someone. But mm. listen, lucky I will say in terms of, like how he plays, does kind of remind me of like a very like a younger OC almost in terms of like what OC was doing back in the day, like mid twenty nineteen. That's how OC why, played, dude. Is this why some people weren't very high on OC three years ago? Yeah, he, yeah, I guess. No, so. I'm telling you. Okay, OC like OC like mid twenty, like until like late 2019 was just very passive and scared and didn't really do anything, and like wasn't like that sick of an offer compared to now. Yeah, and okay. so he just kind of he just kind of reminds me of Lucky in that way, and that he just seems so passive. 
I will say one thing that did make me chuckle is that after Astralis announced Farlig, um, there was just a single tweet from Acor, and it's just the crying emoji. <laughs> 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 that, that gave me a good laugh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, a- man. I mean, I, I, Acor's better than Lucky. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. I don't... Even if he did worse on, even if he didn't do very well on Mouse, I saw what he did on Mad Lions, and that's better than what Lucky did on Tricked. Yeah, so. I agree. <laughs> Poor okay. guy. Okay. All right, let's like, move. Let's move to the next uh, team that's making roster changes. Uh, so we got we got Fnatic, we've got Fnatic, we've got we've got minus Smuya, the Rat King. We got plus Regali, and like it's kind of. Like the Brolin stuff is in the air a little bit, I think. I mean, no, do you know exactly what the situation is with Brolin? Uh, as far as I know, Brolin just like wanted off the team and like didn't want to ruin his chances of not being able to get transferred if he played in the qualifier with Fnatic because oh, okay. then he's locked to the roster basically. You can't play for more than one uh organization in the in the cycle. Sure. And so he basically said that he didn't want to play uh, while this offer was on the table or something like that. Note that that's just what I've gathered from like reading stuff, not not something I know like based on talking to anybody. Um, okay. Okay. And let's... There's like an offer out for him from NIP. Okay. Let's just acknowledge what we do know 100% first then. The, the Smuya, the Smuya for Regali uh, change. So Smuya got dumped. From this roster, I, I already did a video on this, but I want to kind of hear your guys' opinions on on what this means to you guys and maybe the direction that Fnatic are heading. I think Smuya is obviously a, a player that has attempted damage control more recently, but for the most part has this narrative following him that he's a bit of a toxic asset, uh, or at least an asset that is going to need a specific kind of team dynamic in order to not rub people the wrong way. The biggest concern that I have was actually related to the Brawlin news because this reads to me, and I could just be wrong, uh, that Fnatic, in an attempt to keep Brawlin on the books, said, we will drop Smuya because you don't want to play with him. And however, at the same time, like Brawlin has this NIP offer and my, they might've just lost both of their like good players, basically. They, they have other pl- talent on the roster, obviously, but these two players were a big part of what gave them success when they had it. So this feels like um, an unfortunate and miscalculated ex- like implosion that's about to happen with this team. I don't know that they'll disband or anything, but it just, it doesn't feel like they have a proper future at, at this point uh, when they're trying to quickly cycle in uh, academy talent that, that's not a winning strategy for the long term so i thought on the on the flip side this could mean that the whole roster goes international which could be interesting and i mean they're already an english-speaking roster obviously so that could actually go into their in the, into their favor but uh, i i heard somewhere that uh crims's ex- contract got extended uh which it was funny because it was up in ne- in the next month otherwise so uh, if that is true then at least they theoretically have him for sh- for sure which is nice for the veteran talent that means that they can maybe recruit some new people that are a little bit more solid than regali but i don't think regali's going to last in this environment like he hasn't shown me enough he's a totally he's a gamble and i know smooth is a gamble on a personality side maybe but you signed him for a while like the whole thing feels last minute oh shit pull the emergency cord and and hopefully the parachute extends and then it doesn't and you, now your safety shoots also failed so i don't know I'm, I'm the free falls begun i think i mean it just didn't seem like those personalities would work between the ways muya is a very vocal and like uh i don't know what word to use but he's just a very like loud individual yeah. um mm-hmm. when they're playing and then you have like the stoic swedes who are like 
I go here, kill two people. I have bombs. <laughs> yeah. Come here. Like it's just not gonna work out, right? And and obviously, yeah, you could even see it in some of the player cams where um, Smoya Smoya would just be yelling, and there'd be zero reaction from Roland and, and <laughs> during the matches. Yeah. Like they were actually so stoic that you couldn't. Like, it just looked like nothing had been said. Yeah, um, they do always look and, like that, but yeah, you're right that it doesn't seem like a natural fit. I'll say that much. Yeah, and it, it's just like that. That was something that you would think they would have. At least that's something you could have seen coming, almost in the sense of that the the two sides of that wouldn't really clash. But for me, that was something that Fnatic was sort of gambling on somehow working out if they wanted this move to work in the first place. Um, that just seems like it didn't happen. Uh, speaking specifically about the, the Smuya Regali move, I, I feel like if Fnatic couldn't make it work with Smuya even with the personality issues, I don't think Regali is going to put them above that level anyway, just in terms of the individual performance. Um, especially without Brolin on the team. Now, obviously, I don't know where Fnatic really goes from here if they lose Brolin, because that's going to be such a massive... Huge. Um, loss that it, it almost seems like they have to go back to the drawing board at that point and yeah. I don't know what they would do from there. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that these oh. changes. So I saw that um obviously I saw that like Smooth is gone. That doesn't really surprise me. It seems like I don't know, teams just have a really hard time keeping up with his personality long term. And it just seems like a really hard match in most situations. So it seemed like at this point Fnatic after hitting like some some turbulence it already just kind of like started shaking everything and you know it's good it's fine they can deal with that when like at the start of the lineup you know when they were fucking winning like literally every single match and then you start playing some like heavier matches some bigger matches and you start taking some l's in it those problems kind of start to surface so i'd agree that like losing brolin is pretty big um losing that as well i don't know enough about regali or if like that's like a good like long-term plan really um, but with Fnatic, I think losing both of these players, they can still have a really good team and maybe even like a better team that like meshes a lot better. Um, so say like Brolin's leaving, that's still fine in my opinion. I think they have kind of like backup for that in terms of rifling power with Mezzi. Like Mezzi at this point, I feel like it's pretty much just been playing like pretty much every single like bitch role, all mm-hmm. the bad anchor spots, all the bad lurk spots, and he can do that because he generally is just good at like fucking everything uh, in CS. He's just one of those players like you can put him at any spot on T side or CT side and he's not going to complain. He's just going to do what he needs to do to get good at that spot and he's going to own. And so if you can then, you know, and with Mezzi and with Alex Crimson Brolin, there wasn't really any room for Mezzi to get, you know, spots that he was good at. I think the only spots he like really, really had like good spots on was overpass because he's so fucking good at it. So mm-hmm. I think Mezzi moving into like a more prominent position and then depending on who they fill the rifler spot with, if it's something that can kind of help their overall cohesion. And like you said, I don't really know what they'll do in terms of like opping. I haven't really seen a lot of Regali to say if he'd really be like a, a good long-term fit at this time, if that really helped them. But I do think that like this team kind of just seemed destined to... It just didn't seem like it meshed. Like Brolin didn't really seem to mesh with the international team. Losing Brolin is like big, but he wasn't like carrying or anything. Like he wasn't like, you know, playing like amazing the past few months. I think Smoothie is like the only one that has consistently like really good stats. So... Yeah, I think the rifling core will be fine. I think if you get the right replacement for Brolin and you move the roles around, you give Mezzi a big, a bigger role within the team, and then just finding like the right opera to actually mesh with the team. And I, I genuinely think this is like one of those moves that a team could end up better from. 
Yeah, I I I kind of I kind of take your side mix on this on the like long term plan for Fnatic here. I don't love that it doesn't involve Brawlin because because I've been kind of mostly just all more. I, I've been saying that Brawlin was the most impactful slash best player for this team for the last. I don't know, six, seven months, but I but I actually recently swayed over to the Mezzi side because I have noticed kind of what he does with less. Um, I still think on T side, like you say, he gets all the bad lurk spots. I mean, he kind of gets to go in late sometimes, which is which is beneficial. Yeah, I'll say that. But um, on T side, it's definitely a lot more flowing in terms of like what is a bad spot. You know, it, it depends yeah. a lot on like the team. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far to say that, but I would say that CT side, he still can do usually find impact from his spots, except for like, I think I watched like a Mirage game and he just had to rotate every round as the B anchor and he couldn't do anything at all. But I just kind of was like, like I, there's just not a lot you could do. Like, yeah, I thought like, when you do like the B anchor, you're just rotating for B every round. And you're playing fucking retake simulator. It's like it literally you're in a retake server. You're in a retake like, server. But the thing is that your opponents actually have are pros instead of noobs that you can just run at. So um, it's just. It just feels so hopeless. You're just like, there's nothing. Yeah. I can't play the game, and my stats look terrible. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. It's not very good. Well, I, I was gonna say the thing with Regali is that I feel like, from what I've gathered, because I, I've clearly, I, I mean, like I've watched a lot of him because you know he's at the Academy League and I watch all that. But he, he's like, I, he kind of fell off. Uh, like the main, the main co component or like one thing I was saying in the video I made is that Regali was like really good season one. Like, oh my god! Like I thought I was like, oh, this guy might be, uh, is not as good as Monacy in terms of mechanics, but I think he play plays smarter than Monacy did. Uh, because uh he just he just kind of like was winning cool clutches like he just kind of fit in the fanatic the way fanatic wanted to play it felt like they didn't have to play around him really and yet he still found a lot of impact and the thing is that he then started going so if you look at his more recent stats for rogali they're still okay but but i will say one thing after season one like basically after summer break he started going to college in denmark so he's he is romanian but he actually lives in denmark and he goes to like university there and once he started doing that, he, he really made it made it obvious to us in post game interviews and his stats that he just was going to be worse because he couldn't handle all of the, the schoolwork and stuff along with playing. Whereas during the first we play Academy League season, it was summer break and he just played all he wanted. So I think that if he's if Fnatic are like, there's no way he's going to university as he's playing for Fnatic if, in my eyes, like there's no way he should do that. If he's if he's full dedicated to the CS grind and he gets back to what he did in season one, I think they can be better. But then the you come to the Brolin angle, and I really don't know if they can find a, a an actual replacement for that. Yeah, um, yeah. For Brolin, it's like I don't think you you find like a one to one replacement for him. I think it's more you you find like a replacement that can take more of a backseat, and then you're putting like Mezzi. You're counting on like Mezzi to like a, make that step up, and yeah, you're you'd have to count on Crims to like kind of reach like a better form he, Crims has he been like did, one of the he did well at like katavitsa but he didn't do well at yeah. anything before katavitsa yeah. land so player finally yeah he actually like land folk he he, yeah, Kato he might, yeah he might just be so he's won three katavitsas Crims, i still have faith to be really good because anytime like any of my teams have ever scrimmed like any version of fanatic like i feel like Crims is just out of this fucking world like every time like it it feels like I don't know, like, it's not like maybe they, the, the players that, like, you expect it from, even though it is Crims, right? But you expect it, like, maybe it's, like, a simple or, like, a Z-Woo or, like, you know... He might just like, be, like, Forrest, but at a slightly higher level. Yeah, but, like, Crims... <laughs> it literally felt like Crims was just 
the best fucking player in the world. Like, he just takes off... Yeah. He just headshots people so fast, like, so instantly. It just felt like so many times you just never had a chance to even, like, kill him. Like, he was just... Yeah. He just feels so impressive to play against. I mean, so to your Regali point, he already did say he was going full-time once he got Good. picked up by Fnatic. Oh, like, he said God. he was giving up the... Or the, not giving up, but he was like, this is my chance to prove it, and I'd be dumb yeah. if I didn't take it. Um... But I guess my my question for you guys then is like w- with this potential like Mezzi to star player role, some other player comes in to fill the slot. Like, what is your hope for Fnatic? Like, where are you thinking that they're going to end up here? Because they're clearly never getting back with this sort of roster to like a top five consistent level team. It's the same sort of deal as Astralis. Like, you're, they're not going to break through the the current ranked top five teams. I would say. Like, so I just don't know. I. Copium. Um, <laughs> I just don't see where you see this team ending up with that change. Like, what are they aiming for? I, I don't know, top man. 12 is their aim, I'd say. The I thing with like Fnatic yeah, is that their org is basically like Ents is. Like, they are essentially a budget org. They have more money than Ents, but it's closer to Ents than it is to one of these big money orgs like Vitality. Like, So people think of them... The same way that, like, for a while after Ents' legendary run, they thought of Ents. They were like, you guys should win. You guys won all sorts of stuff. You guys, you know, made made it deep. You had an era in Fnatic's case. So they think of them like they should be this big org. But really, they are more on the shoestring budget. Like, these guys, there's a reason why they went for Smuya or otherwise were considering Academy talent. And there's a reason why right now they're immediately going for Academy talent in the short term. I guess you might see them sell Brawlin for a big chunk of change and then turn it around and buy like a notable talent. But that's probably the only case where they get anything really in the long term that is good. Otherwise, they just have to go back to the whole talent development model. And I don't know, man, that doesn't always work out in Counter-Strike. I don't know. I think for them at the moment, like just being able to like cover consistently around the top 10 be able to i just feel like they they came into the new year and they just were like so disappointing compared to like mm-hmm. where they where they could have been also i love the meme like fanatic not a performance oriented org just <laughs> i'm just gonna use like excuse from now on like who every said team. that where's that someone in chat. chatter yeah. <laughs> oh. maybe just, they like, were memeing on astralis you know <laughs> yeah. performance i just saw it what? i'm just imagining like my team playing like shit and, like it called into a meeting like my org or something. I'm just Top like, well, my team's <laughs> didn't work. They just, they're there I'm to sell like, jerseys to kids that go to K barbecue in LA. Yeah, I'm just like, guys, like, we're not a performance oriented team. Like, <laughs> we're actually an <laughs> NFT oriented team now. Please come on. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I think that's that's pretty good on Fnatic. Um. I did want to ask uh, about one thing. Yeah. So Smuya obviously is is out and he's in the wild and we don't know where he's going. There's an interesting parallel parallel for me with Oboe from NA. And that parallel is that I think Oboe has, at least on the team side of things, maybe not in the public as much as Smuya, has kind of a narrative of damaged goods or not reliable or something ever since the complexity stint. And he just, like, the difference is Smuya has his fans. Smuya has brand recognition. Smuya has a Twitch stream that's live right now. You know, Smuya's got these things. But... Oboe, on the other hand, is much more like sort of closed off and you, you don't really, he's mysterious. You don't really know that much about him. Uh, yeah, he hasn't come out with a paradigm shifting twit longer like Nifty, but at least he's, you know, th- there's that, I guess. But I wanted to ask about like, like, do you guys think as far as if you had to compare those two talent or maybe anybody else that comes to mind in this rain, like vein, what do we think about their prospects in the future? Because to me, I feel like for both of these guys, in this case, Oboe and Spuya, it feels like they're kind of limited and it's 
more, it's less based around their talent and much more based around like a narrative that's following them around behind the scenes. In Smoothie's case, it's also public, but it feels like, you know, they're, they're never going to get looked at again, you know? Um, so two points. One is that Smoothie uh, is still a contracted, so he's not necessarily like free in the wild. Um, oh yeah, fair enough. For one. For two, I think Oboe is not necessarily like a narrative in terms of like stuff that's happened, but it's just generally like there's their behind the scenes stuff. Yes, and yeah. that really won't become public. Like it's been hinted at on other podcasts by like on HLTV confirmed, for example, on by the numbers. It's just there's other stuff happening and it just won't be public. That's sort of just what people have to console themselves with. There's not they're not gonna get an answer to that question. Um yeah, and I as wasn't necessarily know, looking like, for one. I was just saying that, like, it seems like whatever is behind the scenes that is known is, like, going to follow him around for a while. You know what I mean? So it might be tough to go against that, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it might be tough to convince people that, oh, no, like, you should give me a second chance. That's the vibe I'm getting from looking at these. The, the scenarios are not the same. That's literally all I can say, really. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I guess to answer that, I think that... Smuya has demonstrated in European CS that he can kind of just raise the floor of a team so high that you basically, it almost feels like if you build a team around Smuya, you're just going to be a top 30 team at least. So I think that is working for Smuya in ways that Oboe hasn't really demonstrated that. It's more like Oboe demonstrated that he could be a very strong asset to a team that maybe you have a core two riflers and a good opera that's already really strong and you need, you maybe even have your IGL, but you just need that one support kind of element that doesn't need a lot, but can do a lot with very little. Like Oboe, Oboe right now is kind of like, to me, a poor man's mezzy. Like that's kind of where his he is as a player. So I was gonna, I was gonna say with Smuya, like I feel like the best course for him like, if you're an org and you want, like, some prominence and you want people to care about you when you come into the scene, right? Just ship Smulia to NA, get, like, an NA team around him, and just let him fucking smurf yeah. NA for fucking... Like, people will care about the team because it's, like, the whole NA thing, and as Smulia, it's gonna be, like, at least, like, somewhat decent in the NA scene because it's fucking Smulia and he's just gonna farm people. Like, I don't know. I feel like Smulia fits in so perfectly with NA. And it's just... kinda, I kind of feel that. I kind of feel that. Especially if, like, some, some of the recent NA drama just doesn't even compare to Smuya, I feel like. So, get Cynic. Cynic, yeah. Smuya, Infinite, and uh, who are we getting for? I, no, what is this? I'm just cursed roster. I'm just kidding. I actually. Sanji. Sanji. <laughs> and, uh, and we need an in game leader. Um, I don't know who could even fix Who could make that? Banner NFT. Nifty. It has, nifty, to, be has nifty. to be nifty. Rifler nifty. Rifler nifty. Rifler nifty. Uh, exotic and Carson. <laughs> <laughs> exotic. <laughs> I'll coach. Oh my, oh my god. And stamina. No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. That's that's enough. That's enough on that. Uh, okay. Where was I? Where was I with this? Uh, geez, that threw me off entirely. I lost my entire. Uh, okay. Uh, and I. Okay. So so I wanted to talk about NIP a little bit. Uh, because actually, uh, I have I have some observations about NIP, but let's who's, uh, who's Brolin replacing? I think happens, it has you know? to be S attack, dude. I just think it has to be S attack. You think so? Maybe the Plopsky like some of the shittier roles. I don't know if it was actually. It's not have... been said. Yeah, I don't know if it was said in the report. But in terms of stats, it's got to be S attack. Could be Plopsky. 
could be, but I, yeah, I I'm was, not too sure because those are the only two players that could be. I think. Yes. Yeah, because think about Esetag is like he was literally brought in to play like, just like be like the role player and just play like whatever spots he needs to play. So I don't know. It kind of depends on like what what NIP sees. Like, do they want to go back to like full Swedish for now? Wait, okay, Josh, let's and... acknowledge this right now that that the the Cloud Nine contracts were leaked. We learned how much everybody made and all the people that were paid the most. We had Woxic, we had Esetag. And then think of the two guys that were paid less, Mezzi and Floppy. Who would you want? You would obviously like think of the money distribution between those four players right now. Like what? That's actually hilarious when you say it. It's like holy <laughs> shit. I don't even have to think about it. It's completely like, backwards. Floppy and Mezzi, let's go! Like holy shit. <laughs> My team's gonna be sick. Yeah, Alex exactly. and CIGL. Holy fuck, this team's gonna be great. That trio, that trio actually could make it right now. That trio yeah, could do it. This trio's great. There's no way this fails. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh wait, the, the, the people we paid millions actually are just not doing a lot. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Listen, I, it just depends on like the what NIP's mindset is, I guess. Because I still don't think, because I know the way I like changing that core around. To me, like if you're putting Brolin in for like Esetag, you're telling me that like your rifling core now is like Res Hampus and Brolin, and then Plofsky kind of has to like prove himself in that type of role. Um. Or, you know, maybe they just want to directly replace Popsky and they just don't, and they just want to keep Esetag and all his roles, and they think he, he adds a lot. Because the thing with, like, a guy like Esetag is also that, like, there's going to be a lot of value added to a team, and you can argue about how much that's actually worth. But to the team, when, like, you're, like, the coaches or, like, you're, like, the other players, right, and you have a guy like Esetag on your team, it's, it's, it can be kind of difficult to feel like you can let that go just because it's, it just feels so valuable when you're working in the server and you're going over stuff and you're in the game, right? So it depends, like how much his his voice is valued in the team, um, you know, where they feel Esetag actually is at compared to like where Plopsky's at in terms of like roles and stuff. So I don't know. It's like fifty fifty to me whether like Brolin replaces Esetag or, or Plopsky. If it yeah. is Esetag, then we. I think. Yeah. I don't know, man. It feels like it's only Esetag if it's also Device. You know what I'm saying, dude. I'm this team, man. If they get Brolin for Esetag or Plopsky, and you have Hampus, Brolin, and Device, that is a sick ass trio in my eyes. Yeah. That could do a lot of damage. I've I've been kind of like weird weird about my opinions on on Hampus, but I I mean it's obvious he's good. But is he? It's kind of like is he good as a leader? But the thing is that my observation throughout the the last couple events with NIP. Is their T side has gotten already much better. It's it looks like a normal T side. I don't I haven't looked at the FTU, like the T side round win percentage, but I already know at Blast it wasn't that bad. And then I'm pretty sure at this event too, I saw some pretty nice T side conversion type rounds. Like the way they played them out, it just looks so much better. DJ DJL, I think I was there was about a post. To say, how much how much effect do you think DJL is having on it? DJ, so we did a Hampus interview, actually, a post-game one one time, and Hampus, I asked Hampus directly, like, what is DJL bringing? And he said, it was like, he's like, it's no secret, I think, that our T-sides were bad, and the first thing we worked on with DJL was to change up our T-side, and I think he even said, like, DJL's not a, I think they needed a guy that basically, like, this is how I felt, I felt like Threat just kind of let this team go in terms of his control on it, like, he didn't, people have been hyping up how smart he was, but I feel like if you just kind of let the team run itself, then... I don't know. That's then you don't have a lot of value. So now DJL, I think, is willing to yell at people or at least just 
put his foot down on how the game should be played and then and then threats in the back now just devising new strategies or maybe anti-strat like he's like a strategic advisor just kind of role i, for, I forgot the exact exact position title but he was just like had a strategy or some shit like yeah yeah so so like dude they look better they they simply look better i'm i'm not rooting for the team yet but i am close if they get brolin i'm i might start kind of rooting for this team to do well and device returns if device returns and Bro- they get brolin this is a team i'm i'm really excited to watch play i'm not sure if i actually caught any of the nip games um i think they're all relatively early for me yeah, yeah, like farther than I really expected them to. So yeah, I think yeah, at this point was, all expectations are pretty low because of the whole Fuzzy thing. But I mean, they look better if anything the, uh, on recent form. Which is weird because Fuzzy, like however the fuck you say his name, isn't even like playing Fuzzy, that good. Fuzzy, like Fuzzy. no, he's he's playing. Actually, the way I put it, the way I put it on a desk segment was that Fuzzy to me right now is um he's kind of like Omanek where he's just doing all right you know he's just kind of doing his role you know that but but you just kind of know around the corner is there's this guy that might be able to change the face of this lineup which kind of is like it's like a similar storyline parallel to the Omenek yeah. for modesty sort of thing imagine if they could get a guy like device i know no once they do once device gets in this team is like suddenly weirdly good um because because uh plot at, at katavica dude i it, his it kind of pissed me off how well plopsky was playing like he was contributing very well to them because i think that the loose style that hampus wanted to call six months ago just did not work for res or plopsky at all and now i think red dude res is starting to use one-way smokes man it's it's terrifying it's like he's starting to learn tricks dude like, oh, it's over not, for everyone it's not okay it's not okay <laughs> they're gonna be good they're gonna be they're, they might start winning games man i don't i didn't want i didn't want this nip roster to succeed really but now now i think i'm just like I, we're just all yeah, gonna watch you, it happen. listen i feel like yeah i feel like you bring in brolin and device for fuzzy and plopsky I don't know. I, I really like that lineup. I really do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. Funniest Same. T- timeline will be if they decide to pick up knock again because device doesn't actually return. They just they just decide to do it. They just pull the trigger and device joins uh, Astralis. Finally. No. <laughs> device uh, joins complexity. According to Hazard. I was going to say minus as junior as plus, plus device. That would change everything, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys want to get into get into playoffs? You guys want to get any sure. any any other teams you want to? Are there any other teams that in the play in or anything that that struck your fancy? If not, playoff time. Mm. Just take a quick look. Take a quick look. Uh, I'll I'll say this one thing while you guys look at this. Actually, I'll bring this up. If people don't didn't see this during NIP, uh, like the interviews or anything. Hampus had an ear infection for this entire tournament. So Paula and I kept joking, kind of like, because because Ham- Paul is like Hampus's friend, and so he would kind of tell me like, like, like Hampus is just like, yeah, we didn't really think we'd get this far every single day that they keep moving forward, basically. And he's like, yeah, my ear is in like severe pain every day while we're playing the game <laughs> and stuff like that. So he just like he was just barely making it through these games, and and actually. I think that also is partially why maybe Hampus and, and Plopsky contributed just a little bit more individually because Hampus wasn't quite as good as he normally is because um, of the pain. But yeah, any any Carson's in the chat. But um, um, is anybody does anybody have any teams or playoff time? I mean, I for one am surprised you didn't want to talk about big Alex. <laughs> All right, playoff time it is. Okay. <laughs> Playoff time, it is. Uh, Can let's, I just let's say NBK in. looked good on Nuke, and that surprises me. 
So okay. good job. He's back. He's back. That's almost like your midway of the show shout out, Pranogo. That is. That's shout out MBK. Shout I will out. say never heard know, of me before. No matter how much people want to shit on a guy like MBK, I really do feel like it seems like every team he joins just seems to get better in some way. I mean, I feel like Miles is looking better now than they were before, but who knows? Like, I think this Heroic the... also looked good during the group stage, actually. Like, yeah, I was Heroic looks good, good, but they're probably going to choke on stage, so it's fine. Oh, okay. I like how everybody uh, forgot positive. about Heroic. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, honestly. Okay, so so let's look at the playoffs. Uh, which so so we got the we got the opening matchups already right here. We got Phase versus Gambit, and let's just begin with that. Uh, man, this is kind of a tough one to call for me a little Phase bit. Gambit, that's like fifty fifty for me. So I, are Phase using Rain or JKS on stage? Oh man, do we know that's that? That's my question. Ah, that's I such a big question mark. I don't huh? think we know. Yeah. Well, I'm taking Gambit then. Give just, them the ROPS treatment. I'm, I'm going to take Gambit test. because they've warmed up throughout the tournament. Um, there was an interview that Groove did that was translated by someone on Reddit yeah. that was actually kind of interesting, uh, where they basically said their preparation for the event wasn't great because players were taking turns being ill before it. Mm. Um, and so when they came into the event, they hadn't really prepared for a lot for a lot of the teams they were playing. And uh, they sort of started focusing more on that as the event progressed. And you could kind of see that in their results even. Like, they got progressively better throughout the tournament as a whole. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think one, one concern is them playing in front of the stage because obviously that's going to be... This is really their only second big arena event after the Major. And they obviously didn't do that great uh, on stage at the Major. So it does make me wonder how much, like, whether that experience was enough for them to sort of um, not get start or get shaken on stage this time around. Um, that's probably a bigger factor than the individual matchup against FaZe uh, in this case, especially if they end up using JKS over Rain. Uh, but in the end, I think Gambit do take it. It might be a three map series, but I have them edging it out. I'll take phase for this one. I think that no matter what roster they end up fielding, Kerrigan has won tournaments with stand-ins before. That's not going to be unknown territory for him, even if it might be a bit frustrating that you finally get your ROPS piece and then you got to do a little bit of musical chairs. Uh, but I think that, you know, phase have the edge in experience. Phase have the edge in, you know, veteran status, no matter who comes in, because JKS has obviously been around the block as well. Um, and Kerrigan's got experience doing the same exact thing that Gambit most fear, which is adaptations mid-game, I think. And I feel like Gam mm -hmm. that's probably one of the biggest weaknesses for Gambit if they can't predict the changes that are going to come in, and that's Kerrigan's specialty, really, is finding a weakness mid-map and exploiting it. Uh, so... Personally, I mean, the, the contingency here is that Kerrigan doesn't look at quite as individually poor as he did during the opening stages of this tournament. If he ends up bottom fragging to the same degree, like, it's fine if he's on the bottom of the scoreboard, but if he's that far down, you might have some uh, something to say about it, and maybe I'll look foolish for picking him. But I do think that FaZe will take this one, and I'm mostly betting on experience and the whole arena thing and that being a major factor. Um, but obviously Gambit's not, no pushovers, even on land, even in an arena. So it should be a good match, I can say that for with a lot of confidence. Okay. Okay. Uh, one other quick thing is I think yeah. in an interview that you did uh, that was translated uh, on the broadcast, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. One they of made the me an interviewer. You, yeah. They, I don't yeah. know why, but they did. And one of one of the things you asked about was them sort of uh, being very specific in game about the sort of like micro sounds that happen throughout matches and, and really focusing on being able to hear different things during matches. And they even acknowledged that, yeah, that's something that we didn't really um, understand how large of an impact it would have when they moved to LAN in terms mm-hmm. of just not being able to hear certain sound cues. So that is a concern when they hit the stage because that'll be even more impactful than it was during the group stage with the with the crowd in the background and whatnot. So that is a small concern of mine in terms of how Gambit will be able to adapt to that. But even so, I think they'll just edge it out in the end. Um, I I mean, I mean, I'm, I might just give the. I mean, this is a lame, but like my real answer is that I don't think FaZe knows who they're going to play with, and I feel like that just kind of fucks up their prep a lot and fucks up gambits prep too you don't know what you're preparing for <laughs> you don't know who's going it only it only makes it worse for me for phase so <laughs> yeah. uh I, I really i mean i also kind of thought about the maps a little bit and i don't really i don't really know what what phase goes to in this because they've like they've like picked overpass which is one of gambit's best maps ever they have had some troubles on mirage and that's something that gambit i've seen also pick i guess inferno is a map that you might want to pick against Gambit, but the thing is that Gambit, uh, they picked they picked Inferno in one of the series that they played. Actually, I thought, or maybe this was that Fun Spark. Maybe it was a while ago, but they look pretty. They look good enough on Inferno to me. Like they they're very passable on it. And if if they can if they can do what they did to Vitality on it, despite the fact that Vitality was supposed to be one of you know the sickest defenses out there, I'm pretty concerned with. Uh, what phase can do on it i i i just think that i just think that this is i at, at first look i was gonna say 50 50 but now i'm kind of thinking like 70 30 gambit so <laughs> josh who, who you got i still just got a gut feeling that phase is gonna beat gambit on the stage so i'm gonna yeah stage 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 stuff okay my, my gut so, feeling just says phase so all right you're taking it so we got two two here we got me a note on gambit how do you do that yeah. stupid gang sign they have? Does I have any idea. Oh, fa- phase? Phase like this? Is that it? <laughs> you're so ready with it. Holy shit. <laughs> you gotta do that. If you're on broadcast, cam- if you're on camera, you gotta learn all the gang signs, you know? Like, you gotta, you know. Just, Looks about as legit as that F, dude. Even... That's a graphic designer's worst nightmare is the phase loco. <sighs> Man, don't look at it too closely. You'll never be able to unsee it. I liked it before when it had multicolors, TBH, uh, because now it yep. just looks like it's just kind of fat. It's like a fat F. Like I don't know. It's we get old, fat, older as we get fatter, or vice doesn't versa. really indicate motion like it kind of used to. Now it just is like a weird T and an F. Like it almost looks like a T to me. Why is there a T? Like there's no T in Phase Clan. All right, VP versus G two. Dude, I'm just taking VP here. Like VP has been like they didn't they lost pretty weirdly to Heroic, um, but I, I felt like that was. Uh, an anomaly but the other games that vp played dude they just they're just so powerful they're just so powerful to use the most vague term ever they're just such a strong and handsome and team that just will whisk you off your feet and take you somewhere (laughs) they're just a dreamy team (laughs) okay that's it that's my Um, that's (laughs) That's your analysis (laughs) they're they're just so good looking man they can't lose they just look good man I want to hear Josh's prediction for this. Well, I was going to say, uh, VP as well. I think a team like VP is still just too much for G2 to handle, as I feel like 
I still don't feel like Monzi is like all Monesty is like all the way there yet. I feel like he's still kind of struggling to kind of get in the groove of everything. Alexi doesn't seem like like you know. I doubt Alexi is super comfortable with like calling around everyone and like calling in this new team and everything like that. So there's just so many things with G2 that I don't think are are quite settled, and I don't really have enough faith in them yet to be able to to beat a team like VP because VP is just there's just so much about them. Like they have so much aggression. They're really hard to break because James always has an op because he's always saving it. You know, they've added like Flit and that's like really like that's just like an insane firepower upgrade in terms to add to everything else. So almost like Olaf it's literally like almost Olaf or Rops is like what Flit Flit did to Sanji. Not not yeah. quite the, the drastic difference, but it's it's actually almost there to me. It's so really I still I still just think in like this G two VP matchup when I look at it, I still think it's like a, a VP two one and I'm pretty confident about it. Mm. Yeah, I personally would also have VP taking this. Um, for me, it's like a lot of similar reasons to what you guys said in terms of how good VPs looked at this event, and minus the heroic match, obviously. Yeah. Um, another point is, I'm not 100% sold on on G2 like consistently being able to beat every team in front of them. Um, just because I don't think they have enough reps with this current roster yet. Uh, also, there was an XTAS interview that I think Stryker did where he talked about uh, Monacy basically already feeling a little stressed in certain situations and during certain maps uh, during the group stage. And if that's the case, then I think once they hit a crowd, like an arena event like this, and there's going to be a crowd, he might get a little bit more flustered than even he might expect. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then VP absolutely will definitely be able to take it over them. And even without that, I still have them edging it out in terms of, in general, like overall form and performance right now. I'm going to take G2 mostly based on their ceiling. Uh, I do agree that VP is looking really solid right now, though. And the fact that VP look this good, despite only have made one roster change, and it was a while ago uh, now, that obviously... I think there was even a Yakinder interview maybe where he mentioned that because they made their roster move a while ago, they had to have results now. They didn't have any excuses. And it looks like the whole team is taking that to heart. These guys are a serious team. And to the point about Manasi feeling pressure, if he's feeling pressure right now, like the worst thing you can do is say, look at this VP. Who's ever heard of these guys? We're going to crush them. Like we're way better than them. We're G2. If you do that, if you approach the map, the match with that sort of, uh, sort of gravitas that can backfire. And as soon as you start losing your map pick or something, you might be like, Oh no, it's happening, happening. I'm getting upset. So this is actually a really tough match to call as well. It's one of the uh, joys of this event so far is that we've had a lot of really exciting matchups throughout the whole ma- uh, event. This playoff seems stacked in that respect as well. I don't think there's any dud ones that, that are even possible to have at this point. So mm-hmm. um, in this particular case, this is going to be another exciting match. And I think if G2 don't win this, it's going to be a mark, a black mark on their record because this is supposed to be a game that with this much talent and this much pedigree and all the pressure on you, you're supposed to be able to rise above and make it deep into this event, deeper than, you know, just quarterfinals in this case. So um, I'm mostly, you notice I'm not really able to come up with a, a valid in-game reason because a lot of their players have looked maybe a bit ropey at times or, you know, G2's strategy isn't fully, like they're not a well-oiled machine like VP is. Uh, but at this point, I think, I'm picking G2 mostly because I think this team certainly has the ceiling to, and this needs to be where they show everybody that they can work at at LAN. Obviously, this, you can make an easily make an argument from the same sort of principle that it's going to be Munasi's first arena event. Like, holy shit, man, this kid's going to be in for a, a surprise when he starts to show up on that situation. So, yeah, either way, super exciting. Really excited about that one. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just like 
do this to make it a little bit more even. I think G2 will win Dust 2. I think they're probably going to pick it here. <clears throat> it's just like just been a very kind map for this roster. Yes. And I think that's that's something where I don't know if VP is going to be able to beat him on it. So I'll, I'll, I'll just do 2-1. And I feel like it's just going to be one of those things where also Nico just going to have a game. Like even if they don't win Dust 2, Nico will just win a map. Probably, uh, it just he just can do that. Yeah. So I don't want to count out the number two player in the world uh, last year. So I'm gonna, gonna yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I I, I think I think, but I I think VP. Okay, I'll I'll get a little more like specific with VP because I did catch some of the stuff they did. Uh, but like the way right now with this lineup, they're breaking down four v fours, three v threes is so perfect. Like their comms are just on point and they basically will just be in a perfect flawless crossfire that is just not broken. It, it, it that they'll get a kill because of that. And then when they have to be proactive, they also just swarm so well together. Like they're, I think their comms are really like i would love to hear them in english (laughs) because like they're really good they're really precise and it kind of strikes me sometimes as like when gambit has to like go headfirst into a slightly hectic situation i almost feel like right now vp might be better than them at doing at putting some of those sort of like weird fast moments together like they seem like they're so on top of things it's it's like kind of watching uh like uh maybe like the swedish when when fanatic was really good 2014 how they made teams look by just kind of doing like just one two three abc counter strike they were vp's kind of on top of all that stuff right now in a very similar way that like their baseline is so high that they just they just won't lose rounds stupidly like that and whereas g2 i've seen lose some some dumb rounds at at this event so yeah 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 I just think the overall way that like VP plays and like the pressure they bring and like like you said how they play those situations, especially like on a stage with a team that is still has a couple of players that are still like kind of adjusting to like the yep. adjusting the English and calling in their second language. Like for Monesty, that's like that's a lot to deal with. Like playing on like a stage for the first time against these good teams. He's he's not calling in like his native language. He's having to play in like a second language. He's you know, like it's just a very new environment, like it's a very tough team. MVP, I just think it's going to be very hard to to handle enough to to be able to pick up a win against them. You are a bit high on VP, to be honest, Maui. <laughs> Someone in chat. I mean, I'm this podcast. I've been high <laughs> on first time? for literally like eight, 18, 20 months, maybe. I don't know, like late twenty twenty. I've been high on them. Mid late. Yep. As soon as you Kinder basically joined this lineup, like, yeah. and I watched the first couple events with him, it was just like, okay, I'm sold. Uh, Do you guys think that the home crowd will be behind VP just for like the brand name? Uh, Do you think that'll be a thing? I don't know. I don't. I don't think they should be, but it might lend some. some There might be some nostalgic, you know, multiple years since it's been a Polish team. I'm just wondering whether it'll be a what if they'll remember sort of thing? Yeah. Do the fans even know? (laughs) Carmack parks a a BMW inside the, the the event stadium and says all right winner gets this yeah, Do them, yeah. like cut a mask of like all the old vp players and then just put their names on the screen they, they won't know the difference <laughs> yeah. wow yeah. holy shit posh is suddenly has a 40 percent entry rate this is crazy he's gonna be at the <laughs> event you know posh is posh is gonna be there yeah yeah what just if... put, put mask on a mask on you can, <laughs> 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 
What if Pasha is the one who's supposed to walk up with the trophy on stage, and as he's walking out, you just see Taz like drift in with his BMW and <laughs> grab it out of his hands? Was it a Mercedes? Was it it a, might have been a Mercedes. Mercedes, just, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking classier, you know, that's all. That's... Mm, mm. Okay, okay. Let's go. Let's go into who we think is going to to take this. Uh, like, kind of skip the semi. We're we're kind of going. We're, eh, we could, we maybe we could get into it. I mean, the thing is, we have different ideas for who's going to make it to the semifinals. So let's not really do semifinals matchups, but let's just do who do we think is going to win the event and who's who's going to come in second place, um, and 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 make it respective to like what's accurate in the bracket. You know, like don't don't say Navi one camp VP two because that's obviously an impossible result. I'll just go first and I'll just say I think Navi are going to win like mm-hmm. as boring of an answer that is. I, I rarely want to take the boring answer, but the phase series convinced me that they can just do anything now because in map three, when they were down 1510, was it they just brought it all back with near flawless counter strike and then just just did, like were able to send it to double OT win it all like I, it just seems like their resilience is so incredible right now. And they are they kind of like woke up from what happened at Blast completely where they just feel like not they're not untouchable at all. They're definitely not. But they're in a position like they lost to N16 to four. They couldn't get anything going on their T side of Nuke. And I don't Yeah, like but I think now they've powered up. I think they've powered up enough. And I think the fact that it's in an arena and these players are clearly arena players, that yep. that's just going to boost them even more. So does anybody argue with like Navi number one? Let's just say that first. No, I was looking at this bracket thing. now. Yeah. Also, the fact that they have multiple days off and they get to watch the quarterfinals uh, without playing, I think Blade's going to have a lot of time to be able to sort of add to their book and, and sort of sure. change up some stuff from the group stage. And for the, Navi, that tends to always result that's- in sort of winning some matches in rounds that they shouldn't or that are just adaptions that they should that they excel at. Yeah. The break the break just makes this a Navi tournament because because of what you're saying. Uh okay let's then let's just go let's just do this. Who's coming from the other side of the bracket? Is it phase, gambit, or heroic for the second place slot? Phase. Okay. That's like the boldest. That is the boldest pick. That's the boldest possible pick. But it might be RIP Navi. I can tell you the finals right now, like what's gonna happen. So Phase is gonna get to the finals. It's gonna be Phase versus Navi. And so I think most likely what happens is Phase wins one map in the series, probably like 1917, maybe on overpass. Seems like a good map for it to happen. And then Okay. And then the other three maps will just be Navi winning like 16-8. Oh yeah, it's the best five, of course. Yeah. And so that'll that'll be the final. <laughs> Wait, oh, why'd you have to remind five. me? I didn't know that. Oh, it's best of five. Oh, oh it's best of five, dude. Then op- okay, the Navi win this for sure. Yeah. Like literally, like a, no chance. That, you get like a sixteen eight, like a sixteen nine, yeah. you know, maybe like a sixteen six or something in there, and then yeah. you just have phase win one map, like nineteen seventeen. Twist has fifty frags. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why couldn't, yeah. Why couldn't Prof have done that as part of his deal with Carmack and been like, no more best of five finals outside of like Katowice and Cologne, please? Outside of a yeah, just only yeah. I don't know, man. Well, this is. I mean, this um, is at least a, an arena. This one's fine. This one. Well, I mean, it's not about the arena. It's more about there should be like three events a year that have Bo5 finals, in my opinion, which is like Cologne, Katowice, and like maybe the major. I yeah. guess there was the fact that 
this well yeah this is Katowice you could make an argument at least then it would sting less if like every other ESL event in the last year hadn't been also best of five grand final that would have been nice yeah. you know um as far as predictions are concerned I think just with current form I think heroic look actually for once have sold me on possibly making a grand final appearance mm. um I'm not sure I've actually ever predicted them to make a grand final from their previous bracket appearances but in this tournament specifically, they actually have looked very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the with, the with the time off that they've had, it seems to have actually done a number on them in terms of being able to improve over time. And so I think given that FaZe will likely have to use JKS for Rain and that Gambit are still like kind of inexperienced on stage, no matter which of those two teams advances, I think Heroic can edge out that match. Just because I think their map pool is good enough to be able to compete with those teams and like generally take those matches over the line. Okay. Yeah, I think... Uh, mm, mm, yeah, I kind of also like... I just like... Hero- uh, man, I, I'm actually going to be really excited for... If Mix's prediction doesn't come true and it's a Gambit heroic semis, I'm really excited for that matchup. I just love the way they clash in terms of styles. Mm. Um, it's hard for me to pick the team. Uh... I might go Gambit. Yeah, I'm gonna go Gambit as my my number two team. You know, I think that I think that right now, I think it, like mechanic mechanically, I, I actually think they're better than Phase and Heroic. Like, actually, like that's kind of weird to say for me, especially you know with a team like Phase. But I actually just straight up think like Axile is gonna be. Uh, I think he might just be the best rifler in the server and like impactful, impactful and, and skilled rifler because Rops is maybe more skilled, but not always as impactful. Although he has been better for phase. I will say he's been, he's been more aggressive. It's, 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 it's actually nice to watch, but I'll say that I think, I think he might be the best overall and Hobbit's just not far behind at all. And then with phase, like the problem with phase for me actually is, is, might just be Kerrigan's individual ability, whereas there's just no weak link for Gambit. Like, even when Inters has to win a 1v2 against, like, a top 10 team, he's so capable of doing it. It's crazy. Like, I I never feel like I can count him out. I never can feel like I can count anybody from Gambit out. But Kerrigan, lately, I just just count him out in rounds. I just don't think that if they they charge at his spot on CT side, he's dead. Like, a lot. And it's kind of frustrating to watch that. I remember yeah, back when Kerrigan was like in 1v3, 1v4s, he was almost always guaranteed for like one massive round a series mm, back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Where there would always just be some one, like one absurd 1v3 that you didn't think he had any possible chance of winning that he would flip. I haven't seen those sort of rounds in a long time, actually. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. actually a good point. Josh, are you going to say something? Uh, I probably forgot my point at this point. So, oh, sorry, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> I also think that Kerrigan okay. is guaranteed. I, 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 just get distracted. I think Kerrigan's guaranteed a CS:GO <laughs> moment every now and then. The famous one on Dust Two A site where he's jumped down from something at, or jumped up on something and he's got a deagle in his hand, and it was before they buffed the jumping accuracy recovery rate or whatever. Yeah, so he's yeah. got the crosshair right on the guy's head, and it just doesn't. Go. Oh, I remember that. It's so yeah. painful. Uh, I, was, I was gonna say. I feel like a lot of the time teams don't abuse like a player like Kerrigan as much as they could, mm. especially like on CT side. Mm. It's like I feel like sometimes I see teams like you know they're doing a good job of, like faking map control or something, and then Kerrigan's just like all alone at B at, like the start of every round on a half, and eventually, obviously, if you hit that like once or twice, FaZe will like change it up and they'll probably add something to their setup. But 
I don't know. I feel like a lot of teams often don't put as much focus as they could into just like, well, let's try to isolate Kerrigan on this side of the site. Like, you know, or just any IGL or like, or like, yeah. Like like weak player because you know obviously there's a good there's always, there's always a chance you like try to hit them and they just hit like a a sick three k on you because they're still good players, but you know I just think yeah I just think a lot of teams just don't don't take enough advantage of it. Like I remember one thing I liked about Vanity a lot was like we were still on the same page. We're like dude fuck it let's just let's just charge at the shitty like let's just let's just kill them every <laughs> yeah. round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a more pragmatic approach than many teams probably uh, recognize. Uh, okay. In fairness to Kerrigan, he is probably one of... I've, I've softened in my age because I used to really despise when pro players would abuse crowd noise because that was always like, oh man, they're like, they, that's almost cheating like in my head. But I've started mm-hmm. to... Because you just accept the rules of the game eventually, like I've started to... Uh, you know, grow an appreciation for when pros are really good at that. And honestly, Kerrigan's really good at like sussing out positions or like yeah. checking corners when the crowd starts going, whoa. And you know, there's like that, that, oh, here we go. No. Shout out Astralis. Shout out Astralis. So yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's also a classic one, but I feel like with Kerrigan, I don't know, man, there's just, like th- there was that controversial Cadian clutch against Gambit for Pro League online, and uh, you know Vu controversial Vu. being Vu said yeah. it wasn't good, and everybody it, else it wasn't. It. Yeah, it was terrible actually. But you know Vu mentioned as one of his key <laughs> okay. points that like okay. the guy doesn't even get the knife because the crowd goes oh, and that's one of the reasons why he thought it was a bit illegitimate. And whatever you can have whatever opinion you want on that, but I thought. Like, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, that shows what a difference maker the crowd really can be. And ideally, it's not in a negative way, the way that the Astralis crowd was at that blast event last year. But still, if it's just a neutral ground, which is exactly what Katowice is right now, uh, then you really will see some explosive moments like that. I think Kerrigan's one of the better players at doing that. Even still, I actually will take Heroic for second place because at this point, Mm. like, it's hard for me to to say that like they'll do it based on numbers because if Gambit makes it over phase and I already I, I did predict phase over Gambit if Gambit makes it over phase it's going to be a harder matchup for sure because of the stylistic clash there but if phase make it I do think heroic will take it and that's mostly based on the fact that as a team in general they they don't really have a single standout for a long period of time you know Stalin has obviously been pretty good these days but for the most part like you, you, the only thing you, unfortunately, you can kind of count on is if the match goes the distance, Kadian will whiff a couple shots in an impact round, and then you'll just lose like some really that's, high pressure round. That's what happened against Vitality, yeah, and that's that's something that happened earlier in the event for them, but it didn't stop them from taking the map, and that's one of the things that I think like you know previously that would have stopped them, right? That's that's what did stop them from making the final in the last major. So that's like one example where you know if they shore up that or if they can play around that deficit, which they seem to be doing at this event. I feel like they are on track for uh, Navi heroic grand final uh, sort mm. of rematch from the major, if you will, and rematch from other events earlier. And uh, yeah, I still think Navi takes it like we said earlier, but that would be a banging matchup. Again, basically there is no way that we can have, assuming Navi make it all the way to the grand final, there's no way we can have a disappointing grand final unless maybe we get 16, eight, 16, six, 16, seven, whatever, you know, then it's not, right. as, not as cool, but on paper, the matchups look really good. So. I, I like that we I like that we pretty much cu- said every possible team from that side of the bracket can yeah. come in second place. That just that just shows that this tournament is kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, that's that's sick. And CS uh, as a in general right now, like the current state of teams. Yeah, you have a clear favorite in Navi, assuming they can get warmed up. But 
this this bodes really well for the future of the game if that there's so many different teams that can challenge them. And yeah, we expected Vitality to be here as well. Uh, maybe instead of FaZe due to their roster dramas, that didn't happen. But still, like, this is still a really solid playoff bracket despite all that. So, cool. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking like, could anybody upset? But then I just re- keep remembering it's a BO5 and I just, I really just don't think anybody beats yeah. them in a BO5. That's the, that's the main kicker for me. Okay, all right. I think that kind of closes out our Katowice thoughts. Um, yeah, it does. Let's do the question of the week. Let's do the question of the week. By the way, uh, if you are a sub in Twitch, we're going to pick the best question bef- basically from you guys. And then we're also going to do the Patreon questions after this. So this is going to give people maybe some time. If anybody is a sub, they can do it. Yes? No? Yeah. Plug the Patreon in chat. Absolutely. Much easier to be a patron, by the way, and ask a question than it is to be a Twitch chatter. So, And you even pay less. So just putting that out there. But some people like the ease of just subbing on Twitch. So let's do it. Question of the week. You have it up, Pernogo? Yes, okay. indeed. So, so this is kind of a little bit long-winded, but it kind of made, it was kind of like, there's been a lot of interesting roster moves that might in the short term hurt teams. So, but maybe in the long term, it helps them out. So basically I wrote the question as such. Sometimes you take one step back to take two steps forward, but at what point do you consider it to be too long or how do you know when to invoke the law of diminishing returns? So this is Basically, if kind of like you're playing GM simulator here for for Counter Strike. So uh, let's go with this mix mix. What's your w- when do you kind of like call off maybe a new project or basically just okay just just answer the effing question, man. Yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about like examples of this where like teams just go into like this like period of like roster fixation or like just like floating of like different rosters for like months on end. So maybe thinking of like C9 after their major win and there was like finesse and then there's like golden and then there was like all kinds of different fucking people coming in yeah and to me it's just like at a certain point like once the months go on it feels like you're almost scared to commit to something and uh, this is a problem i have with like teams that like will want to like trial players for long periods of time right they'll like this happens in like valorant a lot at the moment where it's like you know they they don't commit to any player like yeah we'll trial this person for like a month or something and you know, they, they go through all these, like, separate rosters not wanting to commit to anything because they want to be, like, so sure that, like, yeah, this is the right roster. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, I feel like you're just not actually giving any of these rosters an actual real chance because you're just sitting the the idea of this, like, pressure of, like, you know, well, this isn't permanent and this could change at any time. And, you know, you're just on a trial. Like, this isn't, like, a set thing. And so when you're just going through these motions and you're you're scared to commit to something at a certain point, like, it becomes worse to, like, not commit to a roster because you're scared it's going to be bad than it is to just commit to an actual bad roster like yeah. you know what i mean like at a certain point you just could be like okay fuck it like even if this roster is like maybe kind of shit we just have to commit to it and see what we're actually working with here because at the moment when you're just swapping people in and out in and out in and out and you're just trialing people and no one's ever set there's no future you're not actually like on a team you're just fucking mm-hmm. you're just swapping out players you're just you're playing like, style yeah. yeah like you you literally can't build chemistry you can't build like actual teamwork that way you're 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 scared to commit because you want to make sure you have like the perfect thing but in in reality like yeah like i said it's like diminishing returns you're just not actually getting anything out of it you'd be far better far better off just committing to something just you know whatever it is is this relationship advice like you're veiling as roster like a a gm kind of move (laughs) like just gotta commit eventually i don't think so 
I mean, it might kind of apply to me. <laughs> just kind of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not going to lie. When you it. first uh, posed this question, Maui, I was thinking, like, because I didn't, you didn't have the qualifier when you wrote it out. Like, yeah, by the way, this is about CSGO rosters. I this was is like, about counter Is he talking about, <laughs> like, my life choices? And do I have to start, <laughs> you know, existential crisis mode activated, bro? Come on. <laughs> uh, okay, I like I, the universe, so. I like that answer, Mix. It, it, it you know it eliminates the fact that you have to obviously spend some time with the team. So, but what would you say then is like the amount of time you want to give to a roster so you can at least find out what the core of that roster is? For me, I don't know. It probably like three months. It can change between like CS and Valorant because Valorant obviously you have like a lot less events to play, whereas like in CS, like usually by like two or three months in, you probably have like a good amount of stuff you can play. But like generally, I feel like if you're at least giving these things like at least like three months, you're giving them like an actual chance. Um, I feel like at a certain point, if you're continuing to just like drop players after three months every time, there's probably like a far bigger issue than just like not wanting to commit to something. Like you know what I mean? Like this, this is probably like a very very big management issue that comes down to more than just not wanting to commit to a roster. So I don't know. Usually for me, it's like around like two or three months. Like you know, mm-hmm. give it like an actual shot. I don't think like just saying, yeah, we're gonna put us on like a month trial, and you know, even if like you say, yeah, we have like a full month, it's like that feels like such a small amount of time to actually get this, get a result. Like you know, these teams in Valorant, they they get they get these rosters and then they play like one VCT event. It's literally like four BO3s or something sometimes. Shout out hundred thieves. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the entire roster is just fucking cut after because you didn't like make it into the event or something. It's like. It's such a small amount of time, and it's like because of like these like periods. This is like more of a problem in Valorant at the moment, but it does happen in CS still. But it, it's kind of like more more rare. But this is like a problem in Valorant where it's like you know these teams are just they, they the circuit almost makes them so scared to commit something that they just trial players for like every event, and then you know if maybe one of them actually ends up winning somehow, then okay, yeah, we'll we'll commit to this one then. Sorry, that was a, that was a bit of a long winded mm. answer for. No, it, that's but. that was good. That's good. That's good. I I. Uh... I get it. Uh, someone just donated to me via Twitch. So whoever did that, uh, <laughs> thank, I, new bitch, I guess. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's kind of... That just came out of nowhere, and it was like a sizable enough donation. So I do... Uh, so I, I, guess, I guess... We'll answer his question, too. We'll answer his question, too, because he just did a flat-out donation. I'll split that between us, by the way. Um, so we... Okay, so no, no. What's your, what's your take on this one? I, mean, I think Mix covered it pretty well. I have pretty similar thoughts in terms of like the the length of time that you would let something ride for mm-hmm. um, before sort of packing it in. In general, I mean, three to f- I would say three to four months is sort of a very good window to get a general sense of like how a team is performing and what they're like. Especially if they're still swapping players in and out of the the team during that period, then you're absolutely not giving it time to stabilize. And if you're that sold on not... To, to me, if you're swapping players like that, you're not actually uh, sold on your roster in the first place in terms of what they can put out. And just changing one player repeatedly won't really do anything to stabilize that. Unless, of course, you're, you have four key pieces and you're signing like Nico. And, and it, replacing your lowest performing player or something. But even then, it's just... When it comes to sort of making substantial changes, I think Mix covered and ge- covered it pretty well in general. So I would end up echoing a lot of his sentiments in that sense. I was going to say, also, when you're like trialing a player, 
I feel like it gives you much more like an excuse for the rest of the mm. team. Like yeah. you know, like you get like bad results, like your team is performing well, like even if like you're not doing it like consciously, it's so easy to scup consciously just be like cast so much of that up to like, oh we have we just have like a trial or like, you know, we if it's not working, we can just swap this guy out and just keep trying new people. You know, it's like that type of thing. They it, it can make it very it can lower like your self reflection a lot. You're just like chucking these issues off to a bunch of different things. Okay, no, sorry, sorry, sorry oh, I was no. gonna say like in terms of this, it also just pertains to something where it's like all these teams need to real like they're all just going for like the big home run lineup, right? You know, that's like mm. that's what they want. They just want like the lineup that really hits and you know really drags them to the top. But like a lot of these teams and like lineups and people that are controlling it don't really understand that like a lot of times you really do have to just walk before you can run. You know, you need to get some type of foundation and base under you and then you can go from there. I agree about the time frame, especially the three to four months thing. That's especially in Counter Strike, that seems to be the the sort of that's the consensus I feel like a lot of analysts think like, okay, let's see how they go for a couple tournaments. And usually that's about how long that takes. And you kind of know what their peak is or all of the problems by that point. And if you can't act on it at that point, like, well, maybe your your fate is already sealed. I will just say that the problem with that time frame, that sort of fast and loose rule. And actually a, a good example of this was the old MIBR core back when they were still, you know, Fallen and company um, way yeah. back is that they would basically, you know, they would change one of the old guard or they, I mean, one of the, like the, the newest yeah. scapegoat player, they would change the coach, they would change the manager, they change something and then say, Hey, look, we got some changes. So wait for three more months, please. Or whatever. And that would buy them time to maybe not have any good results. And, you know, you can kind of liken this to the old nip core before the device move as well, where they, they were also cycling out like just one player who was new to the roster went back when it was full of the legends that were past their prime, you know, that kind of stuff does happen. And it's like, you know, the Virtus pro and so, and similar teams, you know, you can kind of count on one hand, how many rosters made it work again after going into a very noticeable slump for a long time. And I'm talking about the old Polish VP, obviously, mm -hmm. You know, you can say the Astralis sort of set of eras, if you wanted to even, you know, have the Blastralis thing as a separator or a divider. Like, that's a, that's an example of another team that was able to do it without a roster move. But still, like, th those are so rare. It's fine to want to aspire to that, but you do kind of have to know, like, is that realistic? Like, are these... If you've never even been to the top and you're slumping already, you're probably, you know, the way you fix that, I think, is shuffling the pieces as opposed to sticking with it and hoping that you go even higher than you were before. I think that's probably one of the main things that sets the, uh, the teams that did it again out of nowhere with no changes apart from the teams that inevitably don't. Okay. I don't think I need to add too much more to this. I think you guys covered a lot with that pretty thoroughly. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's get into the Patreon questions. Uh, actually let's just, let's just do the, the Twitch question first. Cause I got it right in front of me. So Dur Prof in the chat, because this is actually kind of relevant news. I don't know if this is, he, I don't, I want to, <laughs> <laughs> he says, I don't know if this is even relevant news, but it is. But Kusta apparently is back playing CS. Do you see any chance he bounces back considering he and Automatic were playing pretty well in that last Gen G lineup? Um, I'll take this first just because I didn't answer the Q of the week. I, I'm just going to say, yeah, I think that this is almost like a great situation for him where the expectations aren't very high on the this lineup on the um 
you know, the, the orgless lineup, I mean, for one, they don't have an org Two, he's playing in premiere. Like this is the perfect kind of roster for him to join to just show that, Hey, I am a cut above a lot of these kids that are playing right now. And I might deserve something better because, Hey, think about it. What do all a few of these kind of NA rosters right now need is like a stable fifth, like fourth rifler player. Like think of EG. I mean, they would want someone better than, then Kusa for Breeze's roles, but if he can do it, then fair game. And think of Liquid. Shocks isn't doing all that well for them, and it's been clear. I think it seems like the French part is like the second language thing is not working out for him very well. Kusa seems like a much more reliable player in my eyes right now. Maybe and he, and yeah, playing Premier, he'll get up, caught up to date on some of the kind of modern meta stuff because he was away for the game for a year and a half or so, but. I think that this is a, a really cool career move for Kusta, even though obviously he's taken a pay cut because Genji were obviously paying him and flying him out and stuff like that. But I, I think if you it, like I've heard this behind the scenes, like Kusta was not too thrilled about playing like Sentinel type roles in in over in I was going to say Overwatch in Valorant. <laughs> <laughs> like so this is like so if he's just doing what he loves again, playing the game that he likes more than than the other then I think this is really cool. What it, yeah, yeah, what do you guys got? What kind of timeline is it that Kusta is now the, is this Darth Vader? Is Kusta Darth Vader? He's the savior of NACS for Team Liquid specifically, but only after Valorant comes out and like the whole fucking prequel. He went to the dark side to come back to push Palpatine off the edge. Yeah. Shocks is Palpatine. You heard it here first. Spoiler, spoiler for episode six. But if you didn't watch it, like, I don't know. That (laughs) movie's like 40 years, 50 years old now. 40. Um, No, I agree with you. I think Kusta coming back is honestly good for NACS in general, but also just for him as a move. Um, from every player I ever talked to that played with Kusta, they were all high on him in terms of what he brought to the team and his versatility and what he was able to just do in general. Um, I think even Josh, uh, like Steel specifically, back when he played with him on Ghost, was super sold on him. And for me, that was just... When Steel gives high praise to a player that isn't established, I you, I kind of take that as a pretty solid indicator of how well that player can perform going forward. Um, uh, what I'm unsure of is whether Kusta will be opping over Minus in this team. From my understanding, that could be the case. Oh, um, oh interesting. And so if that's the case, then I'm not sure uh, what the role balance would be like with what Minus will be doing. Now, yeah. that might be entirely wrong. Uh, Minus might still be opping and Kusta might be rifling, which possibly makes more sense just because it would... Because Kusta, I feel like, would make a solid see, where rifler. Where do you see that? Where do you see that he was opping? I didn't see it. I think I saw someone say it uh, somewhere. Uh, no, but okay. so, that's what I'm saying. Say, like, I don't Kusta, know if that's true or not. Because yeah. I think Kusta is a better rifler in general. Like He, he can be yeah. uh, a much more versatile player as a rifler. Um and he doesn't really have to stay committed to the op, especially if Minus is already doing a pretty solid job. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then I think this team will actually definitely do really well. Um, if he somehow kicks Minus off the op, then I'm kind of iffy on the move as a whole, but I'm glad to see Kusta back in general. <clears throat> okay. I'd be really shocked if Kusta's offing, because him replacing Infinite is like kind of like the perfect Kusta replacement, because that's mm-hmm. pretty much what he was doing, especially towards the end of CS, as he was playing a lot of these anchor roles and like lyric roles. Mm-hmm. And like the thing, I think the thing about with Kusta, right, is that he's just like one of those people that's just like naturally talented at just video games, just in general. Like he's just 
a gamer and like he's just one of those people that like you know he picks up a game he's just instantly fucking drawn to it and he's just really good at it um and with valorant Cruz has always been a person as far as i know that's like pretty much literally doesn't care and he'll play like any role any spot you know i've seen him switch from playing fucking b apps on mirage to playing connector and like back you know within within a few months like that's he plays like a ton of different stuff and in valorant that's probably a bit different in terms of like actually enjoying doing all this different stuff because in valorant obviously it's like now your abilities are different and like you're having to like do like just like you know much different stuff based on like the role that you're playing whereas like in cs it's like you're playing different spots but you still have the same utility you're still playing like the exact same yeah. game you know what i mean so it's like so Kusta will probably be a lot happier doing doing that in cs whereas like in valorant it really changes like how much you enjoy the game depending okay. on the person depending on like what role you're in so yeah i think it'd be good for Kusta. i think he He'll find enjoyment again if it, if that's what he's looking for. Um, playing with DAFs is probably good for him. Just coming like coming back to something that he's used to, had some success with, and yeah. I'm yeah, they really played on Gen G together. Yeah. Do so you think? Oh, do you think this could be? If if Gen G want to have another foray into CS:GO, this could be like a project roster for them because they already got two of the same guys. Who knows? Complete complete I mean, speculation, but just. <sighs> This yeah. could be one of those that... secret partnerships, the way that uh, Crazy has been secretly back. Oh my gorillas. god! Oh my god! Is 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 Flashpoint coming back? Is Gen G Holy coming back? And then is Cloud Nine going to pick up a roster too? Oh Maybe Contact god. will buy Crazy's gorillas. Spoiler <laughs> right, alert! No, oh. <laughs> I gotta go. I think I think Ryan actually even just tweeted that the Flashpoint website doesn't even exist anymore. Or something yeah, like yeah, that. I think someone said that. It's just been yeah. DDoS because it's so popular, guys. You guys are haters. Yeah, seriously. Like people just keep DDoSing it, whatever. Um, let's get into the other questions. Let's get into the other ones. We got we got three patron questions, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, just so, double check that first one, because like I said, that guy's a new guy, hasn't yet been charged. Oh, okay. So someone hasn't been charged yet. Do we want to give him the treatment or do we wanna make him wait? You know, that's up to you. Um I think it's it's a bad I think we said before it's just a bad precedent to do it before people pay. I think we've said that Fair before. Enough. So we'll let, let like they have to get charged first. We'll and also his question his his question's kind of eternal. Like it, it's not gonna get outdated or anything. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. so let's just let's just move on to the, the usual suspects. Yeah. We got first socks, first one. Uh this guy's been a longtime patron, probably one of the longest. Uh, yeah, he's the, the longest, if you remember. Because I you said okay. that I was gonna fact check you, and then I said I wouldn't fact check you. So that's the consensus but you did. now. No, I I have no idea. But he but but he is. Wink, but he wink. is okay. So first yeah. off, the longest standing patron. How do you rate JKS's performance at the Katowice play-in and main event for the maps he did play? Would you slot him into a top ten team right now? Well, first I'll say I'll say what I thought of him at the play-in. While people maybe think of the second part of this question, uh, I mean, I think he played Rops' roles quite well, like kind of how you would want for a stand-in to play, where he didn't really f anything up, but he also didn't really take a lot of initiative. I, I checked back like a couple of the demos for him and just kind of saw like really standard movements, like not taking too many risks or anything. Uh, I don't think I. So he only played. He only played a couple with FaZe, and I only watched a... Wait a second. So he played seven maps. I probably watched three of these maps. So of the ones I watched, he looked pretty good. But now that I'm seeing the stats of the ones that he didn't do well on, that's kind of concerning. Like, he went 9-20 and 20 on Nuke against Maus. But then again, Maus were kind of good at Nuke. So I don't know what he did there or what happened. But uh, 
yeah, I think I think he did his roles admirably, and they, the fact that they were able to beat Liquid and beat Mouse with him as a contributing member, not just a member, but like he, the games I saw, he put up some numbers. Like he put up, uh, he went eighteen and ten against Liquid. He went seventeen and sixteen, twenty six and eighteen against Mouse. Like these are these are that's that's good. He's a tier one player still. Yeah. I so think would you guys would you guys put him on a top ten team though? That's the big problem because the I've looked through the the HLTV top ten and I've even cheated a bit and gone below that because obviously that list is in flux. The only yeah. team, I mean, Fnatic is fourteen. They're not going to be fourteen because they benched. So yeah, they're losing Brawlin most likely. Like that's maybe you could make an argument for him there, but that's not going to be top ten. So OG is tenth currently according to HLTV, and that mean that's the team that you might say okay, you can see an argument for putting him in there. But then you'd be replacing Valde most likely if you wanted roll for roll, like anything close oh, to roll for roll. And yeah. you don't really want to replace Valde. Like maybe no. you could say JKS reinvent yourself and replace Danish Nico, but like even that is a gamble because you would still have to do something different than what. Yeah, even then, Nico even then it feels like you're you're like you're getting like complexity JKS. Like once yeah, again, if you're just if you're just putting him with Valde, you're just like you're just kind of like in the same situation. Yeah, it's a it's side like, grade at best. I feel like, and it's like even with Fnatic, it's like. Oh man, I don't know because they already have Alex Crims and Mezzi, right? So it's like, does JKS also fit in there? Like, what do they want to do with that? And like, yeah, I don't know. It's very tricky for me to like look at where like he would actually slot into in Europe. Yeah, I would have said Mouse before they got MBK, but now I also would have said Mouse, but their roster looks like they're kind of locked in right now, anyway. So yeah, I I guess I guess like an Ents maybe. You could yeah, make like an argument ends. for Ents because they're English speaking. Yeah. So that just doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, that's kind of where I would go for him. Uh, I I don't really know much about Ents' roles, so I couldn't really say for who. But I guess like Deha, but that just feels bad. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I I don't know what team he fits on. I'm I'm sure one will pop up. I guess I guess if I had to put like the highest rated team. That I would put him on probably like OG for Nico, but like I don't. Again, it's like it's so it's such a lateral and possibly even negative change. Yeah, yeah. The roster. It's not a like he, he, hit. The, the problem for JKS is that he played well at Katowice, and I think it was actually pretty important for him to do decently well here and give him a chance to sort of prove himself. The issue is that there's no top ten team or even yes. top fifteen team that I can yeah. see him like joining right now. For me, it's almost like he sort of missed the boat on a lot of these moves, and that also really sucks for him because I think he needs a visa to stay in. Like, he can't even buy a place right now. Um, mm. Or even long-term, like, sign a lease or to rent a place because he doesn't know whether he can stay in Europe. Um, so, for me, that really sucks because if he isn't able to get a team in probably the next couple of months, then he has to go back to Australia. And that's going to be a pretty... Like, what is he going to do there at that point, right? You're he's saying he's joining Looking for Org, announced right here on its server time. Wait, what was what was the team? What was the team that played at the play? Was it Renegades? It was Renegades? I think right? it was Looking yeah. for Org. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, no, it was Looking for Org. Yeah. No, at the at the play. No, Liaz was on. Oh no, it. you're right. You're right. Renegades was playing. Yeah. Looking I for completely Org is at EPL. That, that's honest. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Looking for Org is at EPL, but um. Yeah, I think that that's as you guys said. There's no team that he could really slot directly onto around that it would just be a clear upgrade without sort of some flux rules coming in. 
Um, you have to go really low to find. Okay, a team the question from Fursock was: Would you slot him into a top ten team right now? I think it's a resounding no. No, but yeah. not because it's of no. JKS. It's just because of the way that everything is right now. Yeah, there, there might be a hole for him at some point, but it's it's not right now for me. Uh, okay, let's do let's do Bill's question and wrap this show up. Bill says not to turn this into RNBA, but if you were to rank Electronic among all CS:GO players of all time, where would he go? Top 40, 30, 25. Okay, well, probably my top thirty at least. I think. Yeah. Just from like thinking off the top of my head, I feel like he surely is like top twenty-five. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, number look- four, number six, number five, number seven. Those are like his. His, his twenty-eighteen so onward, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One major winner, multiple trophies. Yeah, that's a good amount of time at this point. Yeah. Keep in I, mind, I he's like also he- only twenty-three right now. Like. Yes, yeah. so much time ahead of him. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would actually just firmly put him top twenty-five. Because also oh. there was like there's still because like there was that period before Navi as well, like twenty seventeen, a flip side where he was popping up on everyone's radars even back then. Mm-hmm. So he was a top, yeah. So he was a top seven player four years straight. I there's not many people that have done that in. Yeah, it's not even talking about like two years or like it's like four years is like a pretty good amount of time at this point, especially at this stage of CS. Yeah, and when you look at his like, and he's he's a Grand Slam, Grand Slam winner. Like the amount of oh, his earnings is crazy too. One point four million dollars. Like his highest his highest rating and like the the featured ratings things on HLTV is his rating against top five teams. Like, keep keep Chad. in mind as well that, for example, Olige was a top 10 player or like a top 20 player for five years and he was number 12, 15, 4, 8, and 19. So like, and there's play- people I'm, who I'm sure would argue he's like a top 25 player or something or a top 30 player. Yeah. So if you would argue Elige, I think it's no question that Electronic falls in the top Oh, Electronic is better than Elige, dude. Like yeah, by just, far, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like by far. Better. And I'm telling you, there's some people who would argue Elige is a top 25 player. So uh, okay. I think without question. I would safely put Electronic in my top 10 all time CS. Dude, I, I'm just going through and I can't believe this. Like I'm looking at Electronic's ratings for like the last six months. And it's like all 1.15 except for his rating against top five teams, which is 1.20. It's like <laughs> this guy's literally better like against the best teams. Yeah, Rising to a, the that, occasion, dude. Yeah, that's I mean that's kind of always that's kind of been a thing for the last I want to say almost year for electronic where it just seems like he doesn't seem to care until they get into a point where he has to care. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. You say you'd put electronic in your top ten? Yeah, I put him top ten for all time CS:GO. I, I can't. I can't think of like the players, but I, I feel like I'm probably would as well. I, I put him he like is so accomplished and so good. Yeah, that's the yeah, problem with this question is that you really do. You basically need to rank every player <laughs> of yeah, all time, I mean, and then be yeah. like, okay, well, this, electronic seems like sensible here. So, but a top ten, I think, is a pretty good ball mar- ballpark, dude. Estimate. Four years straight in yeah. the modern era of top yeah. seven, Earth. like that's crazy. Even though HLTV lists but not all time, correct, but yeah. but of all time. Done... So so I mean, even that though, there's only been. 13, 14, 15, 16. You have like Fallen, Device, Simple, Zewu, Olaf, like. Dude, I don't yeah, know. He's, right. 
Kenny Get Asmo right. to be Forrest. Yeah, I, I I mean that's the thing. I would put Get Right ahead of him. I would put probably for I don't know if I'd put Forrest ahead of him. In terms of accomplishments, it's actually not that much different nowadays. Like, I would I would I would say definitely top fifteen. I don't know if I would put him top ten. I would have I'd to actually above, write out a list. To, yeah, exactly. I, I put him that. above Forrest and CSGO. I put <laughs> him above yeah, yeah, like yeah, Forrest and CSGO. Where it's sure. like we asked yeah. the question, like, well, first to answer this, we need to draw out our entire yep. Yeah. Top 50 list together. And, he, and here's the next two hours of the show. <laughs> yeah. So Forrest was a top 10 player, uh, according to HLTV, I think three times. In 2013, he was two. 2014, he was seven. 2016, he was seven. 2015, he missed the list entirely. No, he was, he, he has, he has four. Uh, he was number 16 in, in 2015. Oh, 16. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then okay, he was number so, seven the next year. So he made it four times. So he's done it four times. Electronic's done it four times, but Electronic did it higher. Like higher. He didn't get Electronic never got second, but he was top seven or better four times straight. So um Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay. Okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning towards your side note though, that top 15 is a little safer. I I do value this era. Like the, the fact that he's done it four years straight in this era it seems so much harder than doing mm-hmm. it before. But and, and, I mean, the fact that he was top seven four years straight, Forrest was top yeah. twenty four years straight. I value top seven four times straight higher. I think that's yeah, just, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I'd put him above Forrest, but it, just in general, I think that if you're looking at an all time qualifier, there's like a lot of players who would fall into the top ten that are yeah. sort of like borderline. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Can't really argue with that. Uh, okay, I think we answered that question thoroughly. Like top fifteen, right? Anybody? Minimum yeah, like, top no, fifteen. Minimum probably. top fifteen. Yeah. Okay. He might like. I. It's kind of like to me. I'd probably guess right now if I had to make the list, I'd probably do ninth through thirteenth. Ninth to thirteenth. Yeah, I'd might. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Let's do shout outs. Let's do shout outs. Um, uh, who do I want to go first? Pranogo, what's your shout out? I just want to point out that you always pick me first for these shout outs as I'm writing the timestamp for the shout out. So I always have this awkward, like one second stutter delay where I have to like finish typing and then alt tab real quick to unmute. I should my keyboard is, every time first for the shout out. <laughs> my just keyboard does the, is the loudest thing on this planet. You have to remember. So like you okay. guys probably hear it sometimes, but the stream doesn't. So don't worry. I got you. Anyway, Mix, okay. what's your shout out? Yeah, Mix. Uh, shout out Junior. Fuck the haters. Top five. Uh, 2023. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Give him a year. Give him a year. Give him a year. Okay. Okay. No, what's your shout out? Uh, I had no shout out prepared here. So I'm going to say, uh, you know what? Shout out Gambit's uh, YouTube vlogs. Uh, I haven't watched them, but somebody recommended them earlier, so I will watch them. <laughs> so you don't even know what they are. Apparently they're good. <laughs> Apparently they're good. Shout out, they're shout awful. out, good content. There you go. Okay. You know, Gambit um, had this really amazing video back when Zeus was still on the lineup, and they had like subtitled comms from their games, basically. And that was mm-hmm. when I realized that Russians actually call the giant pipe on like the pillar on B side overpass. They actually call that dick. So there you go, some trivia. Oh, one of the or dildo the most or something. Yeah, actually, pillar, I think the most... pillar on overpass is called dildo by like a bunch of Europeans. Yeah, yeah a lot of people do call it that. Yeah, I think I think dildo might be more common than pillar. Yeah, it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just more than yeah. Okay, it is. It is the most common name for it. 
which is weird, but yeah. I think I just call it pillar on broadcast. Of course. I'm not going to say <laughs> On broadcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, maybe maybe on CS teams. Summit you can call it dildo, but only then. Yeah. yeah. Most teams I've been on definitely called it dildo. Yeah, yeah they, they, they have. They have. Yeah. Okay. But um, usually if you call it pillar, people know what you're talking about as well. So Yeah. I tend to just say pillared so I don't get in bad habits. Uh, (laughs) Good idea. uh, I'll do my shout out, Pernogo. You can go last. I actually will shout out, um, and this is a shill. This is shill. This is is just because I worked with them. I'll shout out ESL for putting, obviously, a little bit more work into making their broadcasts better. There was side content this time. Like, I conducted interviews, which I guess Note saw. I actually conducted interviews with four different teams. Um... And I guess some of the content got played. I guess some of the teams are still in the tournament, so that maybe they, that's why they didn't play them. But uh, I interviewed Heroic, Gambit, VP, and Furia. The Furia one I don't think ever aired, but I, didn't, I don't even know if I watched the Furia games close enough to know. And the, the fact that they put a B-stream desk is nice, but they need to hire a different producer for that. I'm not going to say anything more about that, but... They need to get they need to get somebody a little bit better. But I'll say that uh, it's cool that they like put this huge ensemble cast together because it's sick to have like the environment to work there at the studio was pretty sick, given that there were like 20 talent running. Must be banging. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it it felt no joke. It felt like a campus because there were just players. It was so many just industry people like production the talent the players like when i i went over to the hotel that the players were staying in and i just like hung out there for a while mostly with apex and a little bit with like the navi people and it was just kind of sick seeing all these people moving around and just like it, it felt it feels kind of like what i imagine things felt like in like 2018 or you know whatever when when things were just looser and people were just everywhere all the time it was it was cool it was cool um uh pernogo what's your shout out pernogo so yeah my shout out well my shout outs my shout outs esl for putting forward a uh, putting a foot in the right direction but not necessarily nailing it in every respect but the the fact that they're trying is indicating that it hopefully some good things are to come of this controversial deal there you go i'll say shout out prof for fighting the good fight rage rage against the dying of the light you know what i'm saying Fuck those the, uh, round robins. All right. All right. He fought for a couple of things. Like, he basically also just said, like, yeah, with well, a beast. He basically just said, like, to Carmack, like, yeah, the beast stream, like, it's cool that it happened, but it's shit or something. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh just, yeah, he just, he just did not care. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. That's going to be it. Um, as always, shout out to the Patreon, too. Shout out to the Patreon if you want your questions answered. Be sure to subscribe. I think we we I think we've been doing a pretty good job, like three episodes a month. I think I think that's roughly where we're at yeah, this this year. So. And that's that's kind of what our objective was. So and that's good. with you attending events too, like relatively frequently. And escaping yeah. from Ukraine. We forgot to bring that up. Shout out Ukraine. Uh shout shout out to Ukraine and hopefully everybody there is say, staying safe despite all the action that's going on it's a scary time and may may uh may god be with you fuck it i'll say it (laughs) just say it just yeah that's how i'm ending this yeah